Virginia. How's the weather for you guys? I mean, uh, it's starting to get cold hot. already. Yeah. Uh, see, I you guys get to that. enjoy Halloween. Like, I mean, like our Halloween is just like it's it's July. So. Mm. I know. I miss it. I miss Florida so damn bad. <laughs> we should trade these. We should trade. trade. You head down. Hey, any oh, day. <laughs> any day. I'll take Tampa stand. Yeah. Mm. We'll trade. Y'all. Are y'all closer to the Atlantic side, or are y'all closer to the uh, Nicole? That's the Gulf side, yes, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in right the Tampa Bay area, so um, just south of Tampa, maybe fifteen out in okay. the Riverview area. So it's like mm-hmm. right on the east coast of the bay. Okay. Yeah. So it's hot and humid. Yeah. All right, so the home here for Saturday Night Nerds. Uh, we're looking at some uh, reviewing here and going over some of the uh, the top fives lists for everybody uh, from film, TV shows to you know uh, movies. For we've talked about that, and I think everybody's seen a good number of the horror movies this year. And I mean, good year for horror. Uh, we've had some some. Uh, as far as like the uh, Hellraiser, um, life pumped back into the pre- the movie Prey. Um, Ooh, yeah, so Prey. we've got a to look at and see. And hopefully, we'll have some people uh, chime in and let us know what they think and what they rank as the top five. So, and these top five are going to be in no particular order. Just a disclaimer for everybody. <laughs> um so introductions uh ladies first hi i'm Bless jennifer johnson uh there, that's me i'm um, jeff as it says on the screen <laughs> true and i'm ej you guys have seen me a couple of times before um so uh, the SNN or SNN members will be maybe dropping in and out later. Um, but for now, it's the three of us, and we'd like to talk with some of you guys and see where you stand on uh, the top five movies, horror movies of uh, 2020. Um, I don't think anyone could say they've seen them all because there's a number when you go and check IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, we have – we're more viewing the ones that have probably been more uh, widely seen or hit theaters and more of a proliferation across the country. So you may have an you know should be number one, but right now we're going to go with what we do know is the the ones that have hit the uh, theaters and had the most uh, the most buzz. And so, so go ahead. 
our first topic tonight is the top five so far of 2022. I'm just, I'm typing to Deontay since he's he's camera shy right now. <laughs> um. So anybody got a, a, a top five right off the back that they or a one that you let's let's just start with the first the first of the the group have the top five for this year of horror movies that you've seen. Oh, we're doing top five franchises of all time. Oh, top, I'm sorry, top five. Yeah, franchises. that's what's okay. scrolling across the bottom of the screen. So that's what we'll go with first. Okay, great. Um, probably the first one. I probably try Hellraiser, the new Hellraiser that came out. Oh well, yeah. we. I'm sorry, I wrong question. Um, it's the top five franchises of all time. So we that is the first topic for tonight. So top five franchises of all time. Top um, number one pick for your franchises of all time. Uh, of all time. Yeah, I know all time. It's kind of heavy. I know. A five, uh, pick a five God, that's hard for horror movies. I don't know. I always really like Freddy Krueger. Nightmare on Elm Street. You can't go wrong. Yeah. It's got to be up there. Yeah. You can't beat that you first You can't one. argue that one. You can't argue that. Top five yeah. easy. Definitely. I mean, you name, you name that and probably somebody mm -hmm. will, somebody will recognize Krueger. what you're talking about. Hmm. Dude, I, to this day, Freddy Krueger still scares the shit out of me. There's scenes yeah. still in those movies that... I don't care how many times I'll watch it, that jump scare, it gets me every damn time. Mm -hmm. And the fact that dude kills you in your fucking dreams doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, Excellently written. There's only so yeah. long awake. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to get you eventually. Yeah. Yep. And I loved how, like, through this, they, you know, um, like, one of them was that, what, you remember the dream even when like the baby was sleeping, like he could get to him. Like I'm like, oh yep. my god, who thought of that? That's Wes Craven thought of that, of course. Yeah. Of course he Genius. did. Course, yeah. yeah. Wes Craven killed himself in the making yeah. of the, the movie, new the new yeah. nightmare. Exactly. And everything like, he was typing was happening. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yep, that was probably one of the my favorite ones. Hey, going oh, I'm sorry for being late. I was trying to make it. <laughs> hey, no problem. Welcome, welcome. We're right now we're discussing the top five franchises of all time, and uh, we we mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street, and we're all kind of talking about Freddy and Wes Craven. So, oh, for sure. Oh man, take off where you guys were. My bad. I'm just let me listen for right now. <laughs> and that so while my... we're on the top five franchises, and Wes Craven. We'll go ahead and throw in Hellraiser right now. Uh, John Car uh No, Clive Barker. Clive Barker. Clive Barker. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Oh man, that's I would say Hellbound. Hellraiser Two is my favorite horror film of all time. I would say that one, one. That was the grossest one I think out of all of them. I'm not oh, that's the one. That's the first time they did the Cinnabite. Like they showed you how it was made. I think was it not? Oh yeah, with Doctor Shenard at the very end when he, yeah. Uh, it's like what he gets pushed back into this like box and then you mm -hmm. see the wires come around him and kind it's of the, dig into yeah. his skin and everything. So the one thing really I've never movie. understood is there it's a, it's aliens, right? Like the mothership thing that always comes 
That's is that an alien oh, spaceship? The dimensional That's... thing, right? It's like the big. Uh... Oh, the Leviathan. The Leviathan. That is a spaceship. Am I not? Am I no, it is a. Uh, it's dimensional. It's like a god to them. That's how it's yeah. explained in all the lore and everything when it comes to the Cenobites and all that. Is that the Leviathan is the god of this domain that is held for them? Okay. And uh, it's like a human entity, like it does the same. Uh, I don't know physiology and stuff as we do. Strange shape thing is actually like a consciousness to them like it's there yeah like it creates them it governs them so okay oh, yeah and then i think in that the always confused me like was that intended like it's a spaceship and they just don't talk about it that way or i i just always was confused on that well i, I know that it's a it's kind of like the stretched out version of the lament figuration and that's kind of okay. what it is like because if you see uh even in this new hellraiser as the box changes, the final configuration is Leviathan, which is that kind of uh, almost like a pyramid esque. Yeah, it's like a stretched out diamond kind of. Yeah, thing. something like that. But yeah. it was always looked at as some kind of like God for them. And it was what created the Cenobites. And it's what kind of rules this uh, hellscape. And that's and why we have the Cenobites, because the hell priest is the one who leads them. And they're mm -hmm. supposed to kind of impose what the Leviathan wants, which is yeah. to kind of get the lament configuration out there to those seeking pleasure. And that pleasure could be in the form of pain. And I think that was the whole idea of Hellraiser was that mm -hmm. kind of more philosophical instead of being like science fiction. It was more yeah. the gods and man instead of it being aliens and you know, so you, how did y'all feel about Jamie Clayton taking over as Pinhead? Did y'all like it or? I loved it. I thought I that did too. Was yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was I, great. I feel like that's a better replacement than how they were doing with the last two Hellraiser films beforehand. Because oh, we've seen terrible. the kind of like it, it just the face never matched up with the actor that they got for the yeah. was it the second to last one. Now I did I did actually enjoy. The one, uh, what is it? Uh, not Revelations, but the Judgment or whatever it was, that kind of came out right before this one. I think it came out a couple years. Yeah, before. that was kind of like the like they tried to close the franchise with that one. I think. Oh, okay. Give it like a, a conclusion. Wrap it up. Kind of. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it involved like angels for the first time. It like yeah. it involved the uh, the Christian God instead of the Leviathan. So it was just something that was different. I thought that it was something that they could have expanded upon. And then we get the reboot. And now I think that the reboot kind of reinvigorated what yeah. Hellraiser was trying to do in the but very He's already beginning. writing the next story. He loved it so much that he's already working on new material for it. Mm. If that tells you anything. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see more of it because I've I've always been a fan of the Hellraiser franchise. I thought it was one of the best uh of the horror franchises i would put it up there with like halloween and uh, i know you guys were talking about nightmare on elm street so like for me it was always hellraiser and halloween the two ages i felt like those two were the uh good kind of like way. The, the best ones to kind of go hand in hand but halloween mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to watching that new movie tomorrow so i'm really yeah, I've seen the latest one.
Halloween's probably the top for me. Oh, Number here's my favorite. Three. <laughs> now we get freaking Halloween. Good segue, my man. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, easily the favorite slasher is uh, Michael Myers. Easily. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I think it was in the beginning, they kind of brought about, like, I wish I could. Sh- Deontay, if Deontay was here, I'd ask him to post that meme that I posted earlier into chat. It kind of walks you through, like, hey, this is how you watch the Halloween franchise. Oh, yeah. You can't just watch Yeah, you can't just watch it. You have to look at it as one franchise that started with number one, and then it branches off. You have the Rob Zombie stuff, and then you have two. Nobody talks about three. Three never happened. Oh, because three was supposed to be, because the initial plan for Halloween was that it was going to be an anthology kind of movie series. That's why the third film ended up being the season of the witch and wasn't really tied to Michael Myers. Mm. But it was, and they were wanting to, to be an anthology. It was just that the second movie was just kind of spillover from the first movie. And the fourth movie was supposed to be something completely different from season of the witch, but they scrapped it once they realized that people really enjoyed Michael Myers and they wanted his return. And that's why we have, the ugly stepchild, which is another way. Don't say it. Don't yeah. say it. <laughs> but I love the movie. I think that the movie, if you remove it from the Halloween franchise, is a good standalone. Like literally, the meme I posted removes number three, and it kind of gives you a layout, like which movies go together in the order you're supposed to watch them in. It all start. They all start with number one, of course, and then it goes through the different ones, like the H's, the H two O, and I think the newest one, I think, is in there. So, I mean, um, it really... Yeah, Halloween, Halloween. Instead of too. saying, oh, well, it ruined the franchise. Don't look at it as it ruined the franchise. Look at it as one franchise with, like, four different... Uh, visions. Or, yeah, yeah, visions are four different paths it could have took. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I still, to this day, I, I really enjoyed the Rob Zombie reboot and don't think he... And I still think he deserves one more movie to close his out. Oh, man. Me, I have a completely different opinion. I, I never really cared for the Rob Zombie ones. Those really? Ones, the issue that I had with those was that they kind of tried to humanize Michael. They tried to make him more like this... Something that you could actually see in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what I enjoyed about John Carpenter's version of Michael was that Michael was just this shape he was this figure he was the mm-hmm. book man he was this yeah. idea that he was a demon oh i think that i think kind of like that rob zombie's signature though if you look at it he wants to familiarize the villain mm-hmm. yeah from one way or another so he takes the the vantage point of sorry for the villain which i think it's a different approach and i think liked his vision of Michael. He was very intimidating. Very... He was, big. He was, he was rather large, yeah. Rob Zombie does <laughs> go... He does tend to go more than uh, visceral. Like, yes. John Carpenter is visceral. Michael oh, yeah. is the personification of evil. Okay, he's yep. not no redeeming him. There's no love for his mother. There's, no, there's nothing. Okay, he is just a... For the avatar of evil incarnate. But okay, when you, that's all he is. But when you do, it makes him less scary. Because when he is the boogeyman, basically like some 
supernatural thing that comes after you. To me, that is more scary than just like a psychopath with a knife. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, mm -hmm. because but, he then becomes unstoppable. Yeah. And it's like exactly. everywhere you go. And that's what I liked about the first film was that yeah, you see him throughout the film just watching Jamie Lee Curtis's character. You you yeah. see Lori being stalked throughout the entire and she's the only one that's seen that was and I think that's what genius. I really enjoyed about it. Yeah. yeah. Don Carpenter's a genius. He would show you in the scene if you watch. Yeah. He's watching you or he's watching them. Oh yeah. It's not like Jason chasing you through the woods where you know you're gonna slip and fall or whatever and then that's a good segue. You know, way, but he catches up. <laughs> Michael has been there the whole time. He's already area. He's scouted out your house. He's checked out your garage. He's yeah. hanging out in the living room. Passed by him. Michael is uh, all about the hunt, but in a, in a sense that he he's closer to you in a silent death kind of way. He's mm -hmm. pretty, you know, death is upon you, and 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 he's been with you for the last. That was always creepy. It's like after he would like stab somebody, or he'd always kind of cock his head and just kind of like look. I'm just like, oh. He's just oh, a yeah. in his handy work. Yeah. Mm. I think in the, the old school ones had Loomis to kind of fill in those fearful gaps because Mike talk. So when Loomis tells you things like there's nothing behind his eyes, the darkness, I mean, that kind of stuff builds on builds that fear and when you see Mike out he's right there is you know it's like a cold evil there you know and he's you know I thought that that was brilliant because although Freddie is amazing as far as West for him to be you know you can't get away mm -hmm. you know you know but Freddie had had the comic relief not in the first movie, but as it went on, as this franchise carried, Freddie would kill you in a Freddie would, you know, make a joke when he's trying, you know, killing people. Michael turns you into a cop. There's nothing about Michael that's gonna make you laugh. Yeah. yeah. No. And you're absolutely right. And I, I would have loved this scene if Zombie, Rob Zombie got him to that in part three, if he had a chance to do a third. Because yeah. he humanized him, he made him At the end of two, he started getting to that point, kind of where he was more like the Michael Myers we liked in the other in the other franchises. So he was getting to that point, and I know Rob Zombie has already said that he'll never do another one. He's done with it. Yeah. So I know we're not going to get that, but wishful thinking for those that did like the Rob Zombie versions of it. Yeah. And I know you've just started our next segue, I believe, into. The one and only Jason Voorhees of Count Crystal Lake. <laughs> yep. Which All to right. me, another one that scared the living shit out of me because I grew up on a farm in North Alabama. <laughs> I didn't have a lake behind my house, but I grew up with a pond behind my house. And I would fish this thing constantly. So every now and then you get snug on, like snagged up on something. I'm like, fuck, it's Jason Voorhees. I fucking know. <laughs> it would scare the shit out of me as oh, a kid. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked the uh, the Friday the 13th films. But me, like, I like the, the cheesy, the cheesier ones. Like, I really enjoyed uh, 
part eight when he takes Manhattan, where they're that on. That was the, a good one. Hey, that's a good one. He was no just shit. on the boat the whole time, and like he's hey. in Manhattan for that little little tidbit at the very end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was murking motherfuckers on that boat, though. Oh yeah, and then one of my favorite kills is in that movie where he's on top of the roof. And, and you got the guy that's like punching him, trying to hit him, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just takes one hit and he knocks his block off. Yeah. And I just, it took me Clean back to too. like Killer Clowns from Outer Space when. Oh yeah. He, uh, I think it's the small clown, and he's going up to the bikers, and then all of a sudden he just punches him right in the chin and knocks his head off. Like it just. Yeah, anytime yeah, I see right. that in a movie, it's it's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, the, the franchise at 10, I think. So 10 was made by a bunch of college kids as their oh, college yeah. um, project, graduation project. And um, in all honesty, it, it wasn't entirely bad, but it was bad. Oh, yeah. But it had some interesting kills. Like one of my favorite kills was when they did the uh, the uh, the freezing what is it called uh, with the uh, the cryogenic freezing? Yeah, the cryogenic fre- where yep. she, where he stuck her head mm-hmm. into it and then pulled it out and then slammed Smashed it onto the it. ground. Yeah. That was one of the more th- that's a creative kill. That's something that I enjoy yeah. seeing, and it's not often that we see something that's that far out there. But that would only happen in a Jason X movie, you know. Yep. So it's just it it was fun to watch just for the kind kind of science fiction kind of style killing that we saw Jason finally do. And then we got the nanobite Jason, which was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. The look was excellent. Yeah, it was like, yeah. oh, wow, someone had a good concept vision there. I had that figure for a little bit and sold the figure to a buddy of mine who was a big Jason Voorhees fan. And he's like, dude, I'm missing a, I'm missing the Jason X figure. I'm like, dude, I got you. And I sold it to him. So that one is no longer in my collection. Oh man, but it's fine. I'm more of a spawn collector and other stuff, so oh, I feel you. All right, so uh, just a question about the Friday the 13th franchise. They did try to reboot it, what was that, 2006 or something? Six or eight, it was six or eight, yeah. Like and it wasn't bad. It was, I actually did a pretty good job with the oh, attempted same. reboot. They made him more human, though, like he wasn't. Uh, I didn't get he wasn't the demon that he was that he became because remember he became a demon. He went to hell, and he became a demon. Oh yeah, but and, it was definitely something. It, it it felt like during that time of reboots that we got, where we got the Halloween reboot, yeah, we got the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, and then did we got we the Friday Nightmare on Elm Street reboot at that time. We did. It was the. Uh, that one with the guy who played Rorschach in Watchmen. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's right. That's it right. Was around that yep. time period. Yep. So out of all three of them, I felt like the Friday the Thirteenth one kind of stood out the most and kind of mm-hmm. felt like a return to the franchise instead of being something that was yep. uh, completely different. Because when we yeah. saw the Nightmare on Elm Street one, it was kind of lacking that uh, kind of fun that. Robert England had brought to the character that yeah. that kind of the quips, the yeah. jokes that he, he would do. Yeah. And I mean, the tone took a total total dive when he because it went more into the fact that he was a child predator. Oh yeah, yeah. There was too much focus on that. We all know that. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he already got that before when he did the uh, the Freddy's Nightmares show. 
Yeah. If you remember that, he kind of went more back into that backstory in that show. And then of mm-hmm. course, during Freddy's dead, we get the entire backstory with Freddy. Yep. So I don't see why we needed another kind of like return to that. I felt like it would have been a lot nicer if they returned it. That, uh, that feeling that the first film had where it was just him fucking you up in your nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're going to make him just straight scary, they should have just made him straight scary instead of what they did with him. I felt like there was a lot more they could have done. And And to me, they almost humanized him in it. Yeah. We were talking about that with the uh, Halloween franchise, but they made him more, they, he felt human. Like he was a vulnerable human being. I can't pronounce, I can't say that word, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh yeah. But it's just back to like, you know, Jason, I felt like Jason was always something that was, uh, he was that kind of like that brute figure of the slashers. He was always that, you know, towering, overpowering breakthrough character. Mm -hmm. You know, he could bust through walls. And then when we saw in Freddy versus Jason, he beat the shit out of Freddy. Dude, and, like, like it was nobody's was business. Like he, yeah. and then they he Freddie worked with everybody to try to kill Jason. You remember it was Kelly Rowland. Watching Kelly Rowland get killed, by the way, was really nice in that movie. Her, her death was like phenomenal. But um, I, I really enjoyed that movie. I, I got to put that out there. That was a good one. And we waited so damn long for that movie. And then when we finally got it, it, to me, it didn't disappoint. But there were some things that, you know, you, you wish they kind of would have done better. Right. And I felt like it was really fun. I thought that it was something that was uh, kind of like a breath of fresh air for both franchises. Because mm-hmm. towards the end of both franchises, they kind of dwindle in what they were doing. At least with Freddy, he had a new nightmare. A new nightmare kind of bounced back yeah. what Freddy was. And he kind of made him scary again. Mm-hmm. But for Halloween, you know, it was getting a bit rough there until Rob Zombie did his kind of rougher version yep. of Halloween. But he added definitely that Rob Zombie style that we saw in like a house of a thousand corpses it's and in the devil movie. rejects. Great so, movie. You know, that it's just nice to see them give the characters like, you know, they're just dudes, the the things that they deserve. So like whenever I think of Jason, I think of overpowering nonstop can't stop wherever he goes. When I think of Michael, I think of an enigma. I think of a ghoul. I think of a phantom, the stranger that's always lurking behind you. And then when I think of Freddy, I think of the thing that's supposed to be in your nightmares, the thing that's supposed to terrify you, the thing that's supposed to bring you just your worst fears and make you face them and confront them. And I think that's why I enjoy the third film of Nightmare is just because they were able to finally confront him and fight back, and that's what mm-hmm. the whole movie. Yeah, it's really uh, different. That's what I even brought a character who was completely different idea. You know, he hunts you in your dreams, and then Jason is out of the franchises. Jason is really a basic approach. I mean, he's you know he's he's a slasher, and I mean he I don't know if he, it's it's a a masked slasher is just like the you have the little things like you just mentioned with Michael, he kind of because he is like a phantom, you know. But um, until Jason did did the Jason, then you know he was he was more of a uh, supernatural figure. But at first, it was you know, it was, 
you know, masks last year. So, but I mean, you can't deny he's a, he was probably the 13th. So he definitely earned his spot on the, you know, the top five there. Oh yeah. And then I think the most human out of any of them, out of any slasher, which should definitely be Leatherface. You know, ooh, that's a chainsaw mask. Or if if we're gonna talk about kind of like the pillars of horror, we got to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was definitely something. It was during a time that is loosely based on true stories. Yeah, and that, that's what's real life events, it, but, I should say. But at the time, just seeing you know, because it came out in what the seventies, right? It would be about the late. Yeah, 70s. the first one came out in the. Yeah. Shit, was it the late eight seventies or early? I think 70s. it was seventy five. Seventy five, and then uh, Halloween came out in seventy eight. So, I want to say it was seventy five for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but just seeing something that grotesque finally hit the big screen. It was something that was completely different. I think, mm-hmm. and it, it was shifted. It, it was one of those kind of. It was like The Exorcist when The Exorcist finally hit the big screens and how it changed horror forever. How it went from being, you know, the universal monsters to now we're dealing with supernatural forces. We're dealing with shock. We're dealing with the true horror that we know now that they really built upon in the 80s. But with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they hit it right away. It was ominous. It was eerie. And in the first movie, there wasn't that much blood. There really wasn't like you would see maybe a hint of it here and there, but it was more just the fact that it was disgusting. It was grimy. Yeah. It was just, it was just nasty everywhere. The whole settings, like every setting. What's that? The thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre though, is that they wouldn't always show stuff and it kind of left to your imagination, yep. which oh, I yeah. think made it even more scary. Cause you're like, Oh, sound what are they doing oh my god and your imagination runs wild and it's in grimy texas too like the desert part of texas where it's grimy and you just feel dirty so the setting of the movie (laughs) everything fits yeah it's chainsaw massacre and if you've ever driven through that part of texas you get that feeling that it's just like it's grimy Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like like, that shit really happened there like i could believe that it's just all disgusting so like it, it, but it, I also like the the family aspect of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that kind of inbred, kind of messed up, fucked up kind of world that they all live in. Kind of like how the Hills Have Eyes had oh. the inbred cannibals. That, they all come like, out around the same time too. The, oh the yeah, original Hills Have Eyes, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Last House on the Left, which is unrelated, but. It, it all come out around the same time originally there in the early the mid 70s when i think horror really was peaking oh yeah like, i would say the, the horror 70s. that we know today was really hitting its stride it was in that time frame oh yeah the 70s and then into the 80s i felt was that kind of the renaissance yes before it was where we really got a feeling where people really found you know that horror could be so much more than just a monster chasing down somebody mm-hmm. and that's when we get like, one, like the entropy in the 80s when you hit the 70s and the late 70s and early 80s more of the uh visual um pro- practical effects a lot more blood a lot more gore than before but what i i like what jen had mentioned earlier Texas chainsaw massacre was one of the last times where you heard the gore and your mind which is what made Psycho, 
such a such a uh, horror movie from Hitchcock. You don't see anything oh. in the power scene. That dude was just a fucking genius, though. Oh, yeah. But everybody remembers it. And some people will tell you through, you know, the Mandela effect. Oh, yeah, I remember that knife. I remember her game. You never saw that. It was up here. Same thing with Texas. I'm asking, and I feel like we do view as the horror renaissance as the 70s and 80s. In a way, it lost that um, unseen fear. Because if you look back to the the smarter ones, which we've talked about some of the, the better uh, directors or writers or something, with some of his kills, you don't actually see the visceral part of him, you know, somewhat. All right. It doesn't need to happen because the fear is built up to the point to when you actually grab them for that last breath before they die. You know what's coming. Your mind plays into it. I saw that, you know, that knife hand. I know where it's going. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I think that or when they just show yeah. you the body, yeah, yeah, like you don't see the kill, but you see the body, you see the blood in his hand. See, like, I mean, when we're talking like the changes, like Hellraiser was a huge change. Oh, absolutely, Boy, yeah. that hit in the first Hellraiser movie so was beyond. I mean, people were like, That's that should be fixed. <laughs> I mean, when he when he you know comes back to the amount of you know practical effects to make his body rise through the floor and it was gore to a level that they really didn't have it, you know, back in the sixties. So there's a lot of barrier breaking, boundary breaking when they, they became, you know, these franchises came out where I feel like, you know, you mentioned Rob Zombie, he hits on some of the, um, well, even but, if you look at, um, that, where I think it was John Carpenter when he did the thing, you know, that was one of the big times where he's a monster and it's not dark and dim. And you're kind of like, what is that? Where it's like in your face and it's gross and it's going after people. I love that. Oh yeah. And I think that what's great about the thing was that the practical effects, like he brought up earlier was just, yeah. we, I think that's the issue <laughs> that I have with a lot of modern horror films today is that we've kind of lost mm-hmm that practical effect aspect of it, that creativity that, you know, I feel like people really took a lot of joy back in the seventies and eighties doing practical effects and kind of pushing the boundaries and seeing where they could go with it. Cause now every day you see just CGI, just CGI. Yeah. computer generated. And it, and to me, it kind of gets old. It's not, yeah. you know, what, what was fun about the movies from the seventies and eighties is that it's always something just, different nothing was the same it didn't have like the same textures the same look you know blood didn't look the same in every movie yeah you know i'm a big fan of uh movies during the 70s where the blood was just bright red and it would just be like a paint splatter you know yeah. like in a like in lone wolf and coat you just see just bright red blood instead of it being you know that darker that we uh like in Dahmer, Dahmer had that one scene with the blood bag and you see how dark the blood is, how realistic mm-hmm. it looks. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. wish that we could go back to the fakeness. So if you want to go of... back to the fakeness in a more recent movie, Terrifier, which oh, I yeah, have yeah. not got to see either one of them yet. And it's kind of pissing me off that I can't find <laughs> either one of them right now. But the Terrifier, 
like I watched the interview. Well, I didn't watch it. I listened to the interview on Jericho's podcast with the director. And he did every practical effect himself. Him and his um his special effects guy who happens to be the co-writer and co-director and co-producer on the movie. All the special effects in that movie are done by them. They built everything themselves. And it's still making people throw up and leave the movie theater. Yeah. I feel like so, that's the way to go with horror, though. I feel like practical yeah, effects yeah. is where it all kind of melds together and it works really well with horror. But are the people that are going to see these movies like for fans? Because I mean, I can put up with no. all before I am like, oh my God, okay, I might have to. I mean, so, like, you know, it's you know funny I mean? because. If we want to talk about the movies from the seventies, real quick, the last house on the left, not the re, not the remake. Fuck the remake, garbage. <laughs> the original last house on the left. Yeah, it's more of a psychological thriller. It can happen in real life, and it happens in real life. But that movie, it, the one scene where we're talking, we're getting toward the end of the movie, an old girl. I think it was the mother bit homie's dong off like that shit, like the amount of blood and everything. Just, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? And right. then there's, yeah, that movie was wow. I don't know. There was something with Wes Craven, man. Wes Craven was something else. You know, I, I think one of his more underrated films is that, uh, People under the, the people stairs. Fuck yeah. That's one of my favorite. I, I actually would say that's my favorite Wes Craven film. I have that on DVD. It's just, well, I always like the character Roach. I like the fact Roach was that, amazing, yeah. I like the fact that there's this one kid that's like running through the walls and helping out the, the girl that's the only girl that's in the house. So and, the, the newest kidnapping victim is what she is. She doesn't have a name. But she was kidnapped and brought to the house to be the next perfect child. Every kid that's in there and under the stairs at one point was a perfect child to them. Oh, by the way, they're brother and sister. They're not a married couple. They are brother and sister. It's never said, but if you listen to what they say, they don't even have names. They're just, it's woman and man. That's their characters. If you watch the end credits, it's woman and man. So wow. they don't even have names. But I just always thought it was a trip, though. Like if, and you're right. They always were trying to find like the perfect child. But if the child wasn't perfect, they would actually cut off whatever whatever imperfection they deemed it was. Yep. So that's why Roach, whenever we see him running around, he he's missing his tongue. He yep. can't speak. So it, it was just something. And I, and I liked the setting of the movie. I felt that it was very claustrophobic while at the same time being artistic you know you're inside somebody's house you're inside somebody's home you're seeing the stuff that they have going on and it's just interesting and in the fact that it's also like a look at race you know because you have a black kid being the main character yep. and he's seeing, it was he's experiencing. done at the time like the black guy didn't he's the first black survivor of a horror movie can we just say that like i wish we could can say, we say that? The guy from the, uh, what was it, Night of the Living Dead was the first one, but he did die at the very end. That's what I was about to say. I thought he did yeah, die. Yeah, like, very last end. Minute, 
like end credits are about to roll and it's like snipe which sucks but that that broke barriers at the time though the fact that you had a black lead and i i like that now we kind of have you know black directors like uh is it jordan peele is jordan peele the one that's doing the yeah uh, like nope and uh is it uh, what was the other one that he did with the uh, uh, I'm sorry, David. Yeah. Uh, what was the uh, the other one where they were uh, taking out? Get yeah, out. that's it. Get out. Yeah, one of the best psychological yeah uh, yeah movies. And I mean, and when things you know you do get rid of those, he was a master of making a red flag that hits you in the head like a hammer. Mm-hmm. Oh, what the? And then everyone acts normal again. You know, it's like yeah. how all of a sudden you know. Peel out like a something that it's it's would shock the normal person into saying, "Yep, I'm getting in my car." But in the movie, something like that'll happen, and then people, you know, go back to act, and it's almost like the the protagonist is sitting there thinking, "Am I crazy for thinking I should?" Kind of what you feel you get from them is like, "What? What just happened?" You, you get that from Jordan Peele from watching Keen Peel, and yeah. then he steps out and starts doing horror. Dang, dude. I'm like, he, he went from A.A. Ron to yeah. dropping some of the best horror of the last few years. Yeah, Ooh. like, I I loved Get Out. And honestly, like, no, I was kind of like, uh, I'll, I'll try it. And I was like, wow, that was actually really good. I'm yeah. like, I enjoyed that a lot. I still got to watch his newest one. I haven't watched it yet, but I'll watch Get Out as soon as it hits streaming. Yeah. And I was just like, this, no way, this is the guy that yeah. Was doing Key and Pill, and now he's dropping like fire horror movies on us. But it's definitely a movie buff. Even going back to Key and Peel, you saw so many references that he's a huge movie buff, you know. Yep. Or like you saw, you know, their zombie stuff that was funny, their alien movie stuff that was funny. They are, you know, consumers of entertainment as well as producers yeah. of it. So it was what he produces, what he puts out. That, he is very knowledgeable of it, and the interaction with people in his productions just make it feel so real. You know. So I see Brian real. dropped in chat that he was like, the CGI special effects kind of take away from horror. Yeah. He's like, if you go back and look at the original Amityville, had him shook. And I, the original Amityville, yeah. like all of them, really um, was, it was good. Oh, like, I, I would put that up there with like my top five, the original Amityville. Just because there were scenes that always like stuck out to me. Like there's the one scene where uh, the mom is taking care of the little girl and the little girl is talking about her imaginary friend. And then the mom looks outside the window and in the black, you see just two lights pop up and those are, you know, supposed to be eyes. Mm-hmm. And that just always stuck with me. I thought that that was something that was so simple, but always kind of like stuck with you. Yeah. Like that they really aren't alone, that there really are ghosts in the house and their issues that they're yeah. dealing with. And then finally the pig that you see at the very end. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was just that that that's just the way to end a movie like that. You have to have something that's yeah. kind of terrifying that you wouldn't expect kind of pop up. And I feel like that's how it, they made it work for that original Amityville horror. And then I'm not a really big fan of the remake. It kind of made it more they did a lot of that CGI kind of stuff with the blood, and it just yeah, I mean, captured 
the one with Ryan Reynolds is really when CGI, I feel like, kind of started taking over the horror genre. Oh, yeah. It's about that time frame. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like, in the 90s, we kind of were getting that first taste. But it was really it was the early it was real. There was some yeah, car movies yeah. made in the 90s with CGI Ooh. that were fucking straight. But you know what movie I thought was made a lot better through makeup and CGI? Like, I thought they blended it really well was the remake of It. Like, yeah. uh, the remake of Excellent. It, the both parts was so much more terrifying. Not that it didn't do a great job. I thought he was, like, phenomenal, but there was just something about the and the spider alien, whatever you want to call it. In the end, it was so much. He's a demon. Terrifying and the remake. Actually, he's an alien. Yeah. Is he an alien? I thought he was he's a demon. A, he's an alien. So what it was was that if you go into the lore of it and all that, you find out that he was actually created around the same time that all of creation was built. So what he was was that he was this kind of floating being that ended up crashing into Earth, and he crashed into what was what would become Dairy Maine, and that's mm-hmm. where he would reside. But that's why the turtle is so important because the turtle is kind of the opposing kind of godlike character yep. that created everything. So it is more like the, the so evil creature, but he is that turtle makes a pe- and another appearance in one of other one of Stephen King's other movies. It's like the main focus in one of his other oh yeah movies. i think it's the dark tower which i think they kind of deviated away from the because what it is is that the dark tower is like dark a tower was a freaking horrible movie let's yeah, just the, put it out there which is sad I, because I the, the, movie, the, the book, book is, is really fucking amazing because i read the gunslinger and i was like the gunslinger is awesome and yeah, then i read the, the uh, entire book series is amazing and oh yeah, and I like that he the movie connects had everything. Everything is all connected. Yeah. yeah, and we had this discussion earlier. The um, the way Stephen King has managed to interweave every single thing he's ever written is amazing. And oh, we yeah. were talking about his son is even doing the same thing. Oh yeah. So I know that uh, Joe Hill, he's been doing quite a bit, especially in the comic world. Like he's done. You know, I, I know that I saw you guys talk about Lock and Key, but I know that he's also done things like uh, uh, that Hill House comics that he did for DC. Yep. Where it was like refrigerator full of heads and uh, trying to think of some of the other titles, but they were all just different horror titles under his imprint. So yep. I think that it's really nice that he, he did Nosferatu, didn't he? Yeah, he did Nosferatu. I think, yep. I think he did that with his dad, though. I think his dad was somehow involved in that one. I think he, his dad was kind of like a, cause that was really, I think his first jump into writing a horror book. Mm-hmm. And I want to say Steven probably kind of was like, Hey dude, let's, I see where you're going. Let's kind of like, maybe he started a little bit. He really didn't, you know, write it per se, but I think he probably gave him some insight and some directions. And that's why you see a lot of Stephen King undertones in it. Oh yeah. In, an interview with Joe Hill, he was like, "Yeah, if you read my stuff, and whether it's a comic book, a mu- a a book, or whatever it is, everything is interconnected and interlaced to some degree." Right. And yeah. and those interweavings also interweave into his dad's books as well, which I think is really interesting. I like whenever they build like expanded universes, and you know that that's 
something that we see with Marvel, and then we saw even Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was doing that way before Marvel with the Viewers mm-hmm. Cube universe. So, so in chat, it, they said Pennywise the demon is a demon in the original and an alien in the new one. Yeah, no, I, think I, think that, the, I think in the book he was an alien. That's what it kind of was. Was that he was because that's what I like about the uh, the new it is that it's more tied to how the original novel was with you know the the way that things pan out not necessarily the kind of time jumps because that's how the tim curry film was the tim curry film was more along let's just take a second and have an appreciation moment for tim curry tim curry was awesome tim curry dude that dude's pulled some of the best characters you've ever seen he really has because we've seen him do uh legend he was the lord of darkness he was uh dr frankenfurter for rocky horror he was in clue i'm trying to remember which one he was in clue he was the um the principal wasn't he i think so and well, i'm thinking he... clue lists <laughs> no no i'm talking the clue based off the board game he made yeah. uh he wasn't colonel mustard was he i don't think he was colonel mustard he, he... Huh? was he he was one of them, but I, I remember him in Clue, and then I remember what else was the end. But anyway, though, Tim Curry, he's just I like how tidy he is to the horror aspect of things, and I like how he's always portrayed himself in every film. Yeah. Uh, it's always something different, but it always has that uh oomph behind it, that kind mm-hmm. of he, he he puts himself into every character he does. Oh, yeah. And I feel like he controls the room anytime that he's in character. You know, when Dr. Frankenfurter's in the room, it's like all eyes are on him. Nobody else is looking anywhere else. Yep. You know, so. Uh, he has a real gift for the, uh, for his oratory skills. Mm-hmm. The, the way he speaks, his pres- it, it, it makes a presence. It's, 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 he's an amazing actor. I really, I really think Bill Skarsgård brings that to the table as well in his roles that he does. He, oh he, yeah, I thought him and Barbarian was really good. So that's on topic for tonight too. And I, I so I think we we've covered our five franchises in, in no particular order. That that was our top five franchises, and we'll go. So we had Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, um, Halloween, Halloween, Hellraiser, Hellraiser. What was our other one? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We'll go with that's our top five franchises. And so now I think we're going to look to go into where do y'all want to go? Well, I put up Barbarian. I would I would enjoy talking about. Okay, that. so we'll, we'll go with um, the. You're muted, EJ. So we'd be talking about the top five movies this year. We can, because yeah, it's a uh, pretty good uh, lead in okay. with Barbarian. Yeah, are we going to yeah. go just movies of 2022? Uh, or do we want to go or just movies or movies and shows for 2022? I think we'd probably mix shows in because I, I would like to touch on Dahmer as well. I felt Dahmer was yeah, one of the films that really kind of stuck out. Same with Sandman. I feel like Sandman is another yeah. show that kind of brought that horror element. I don't think movie. Dahmer really falls into horror per se, because that is we're talking real life and yeah, 
I, I guess so. You're right. It would be more like a. But we could have a whole show on that crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Niche. But yeah, so let's roll straight into Barbarian for our top movies and f- and TV shows for 2022 so far. Barbarian was not what I expected. No, I, I was I expecting like a fucking barbarian, and that is not what I got. And I'm still trying to figure out why the hell they named the movie Barbarian. But the movie itself was good. It had twists that I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. And like I didn't know Justin Long was in the movie. I may have missed any like trailers hey, that he was in, but take like a moment for Justin Long to recognize him as a scream queen, okay? Oh man, like absolutely. After being in Tusk and in Jeepers Creepers. I gotta watch Tusk. I haven't watched Tusk yet. Oh uh, Tusk I enjoyed that. I, like for being a modern horror film and for being a Kevin Smith film on top of that. Mm-hmm. It like I love Kevin Smith, but like Kevin Smith is severely underrated. You know, uh, but like watching it, I didn't expect to like it. And then I found myself enjoying it as the movie went on. And I felt that it, it, it was an interesting kind of like Frankenstein kind of story. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what I've heard. I just have not had a chance to sit down and watch it. I did sit down and watch Barbarian today. Oh, in between man. a couple of football games. I, I wasn't prepared for Barbarian. Like I wasn't either. It, it was thinking, actually it had it Bill Skarsgård in it, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking Bill's our 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 Alexa. killer. He's our That's bad guy in this movie. And, yeah, no shit, Deontay. Barbarian was a fucking acid trip. It was not what, like when. Can we do some spoilers on this shit? <laughs> can we spoil some shit? Oh man, well I've seen it. You say, but I don't know if we want to spoil it. Yeah. So Bill Skarsgård head got fucking smashed on that goddamn wall. Pardon my four-letter words here. I was not ready for that shit. When you finally see who the monster slash bad guy is in this movie, holy hell! Oh, it wasn't what I I was prepared for, and just I wasn't prepared for the explanation as to how the monster got to how the monster became. I wasn't prepared no, and, for and that, it, and I wasn't prepared for the other villain of the story. So we never see the other villain again. We see him for that 10-minute snippet, and then he's kind of, like, gone. But we know he's, like, the main antagonist, and they've set it up for a, a number two obvi- for obvious reasons. But it, it, was, a, it was crazy, like... Oh yeah, like I like that. Uh, it. I wasn't prepared for the the female abduction aspect of it. No, I wasn't prepared for them to be like, oh, there's this guy that's abducting women, and then he's not only abducting them, but he's videotaping them, and he's doing these awful things, and he's a rapist. I w- I don't know if they necessarily say killer. Uh, to those women particularly. I know that what it ended up happening was the inbreeding stuff. So that's why I'm confused yeah, on whether so or he, not he really killed the women or if they just died. I think they died in, in birth. Is that may be, I, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what I was taken from it. Is that he was impregnating them. Well, what would eventually become his own children grandchildren it's something Fuck. like maybe even great grandchildren because they said that it was a yeah. cause of inbreeding yeah. that it was yeah and i just and the dis- I, the look 
was just disgusting. It, yeah. It, it, even like for the it being... superhuman strength. Like, if you go back to Wrong Turn, which is a great fucking movie. I love me some well, Eliza Dushku. I enjoy the first one. I enjoy the first Wrong oh, Turn. After the others, that, it kind of the falls The others never happened. We're, we'll just focus on Wrong Turn 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's focus on what Eliza Dushku gave us, okay? But um, that inbred fucking strength where it comes from i don't know who knows but it was very much that type of strength that they had in wrong turn you know i don't know what it is about some inbreeding shit but i guess it makes people super fucking human because that lady was super fucking human oh yeah and just i like that she was actually like terrifying i like that it was she was she, she was this tall unstoppable thing and like the fact that she was naked throughout the whole movie also made it unsettling just yeah. the fact that like everything is all hanging out yeah and she was living in around the dark and, oh man dark basement of tunnels oh yeah and then and her, the fact that whole, she would come out at night yeah freaked me out too i was like oh man that's even more fucked up and it I was reading kind of like the uh, synopsis of it, and this does take place in Detroit in the rundown uh, ghettos of Detroit. And you see the people living on the streets, and the police there just did not give one single fuck. None whatsoever. No, that, that was another thing that was like, are you so serious? It, it hits some real-life stains in there when it oh, comes yeah. to, to some of it. But then, like... Like I said, there's that one 10 to 15 minutes where the guy is grocery shopping to deliver, like, for supplies to deliver a baby. And you're like, what the fuck? Where the hell is this coming from? Right. It's but then you go back, like, oh, the lady living in the tunnels is watching breastfeeding and how to take care of babies. Like, that's some constant loop in her cave. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, man, it, it was just... And the fact that, like, he had multiple different women, and that's what you see in, like, that scene where Justin Long is in the room with him, and he comes across all the videotapes, and he sees how many women he did this to, and yeah. see how long this has been happening, mm -hmm. and that... Who was the fucking know, guy on the bed? That was him. That was no. the guy that was in the videos. I, I, yeah, but he... he his son was the one you see, I guess it's his son that was going to the grocery store. No, that was him. That was him going to the grocery store. He had lived that long. That was him. Oh, so that was a flashback. Yeah, that was a flashback. That's why all the houses looked really nice. And when he talked to his neighbor, the neighbor was like, I'm putting up a for sale sign. Ah, We're moving shit. out of the neighborhood. Okay. The neighborhood's getting bad. So that makes sense now. So that's, that's why... That's why the guy, even like the homeless guy, was like, "She's not the only bad thing, bad guy in the house. She's not the worst thing in the house because he was still alive." And then that's why we see him kill himself at the very end. Is that he's finally been caught and he can't do anything about it because he's too old and he's and dying. Too, yeah, like he, he he's clearly at the end of his ropes. Yeah. And if anything were to happen, he he can just that that was his easy way out. Gotcha. That makes more sense because I was trying to figure out like that fifteen minutes of movie just did not fucking fit anywhere. Oh yeah, that that was them trying to explain that he was the guy that was abducting women, and then that's why the inbreeding started to happen was because he would then, I guess, 
further with the children of the women that he would do it with mm-hmm. and then it would just go further and further and then finally we get what we see as the monster and barbarian so i mean the name starts to make a little bit more sense to some degree oh yeah well when i think of barbarian i think of like conan yeah, that, I me of, too, and that's what I was expecting. I think of something that's like a savage. I think of something that's like disgusting. And I think that's what they were going for with the, the monster was that she was this savage beast. But she still had that consciousness that was like, I want to be a mother. Mother. That's yep. why at the very end when you see her jump off and save uh, our, our our main character. Yeah. You know, that, that's her doing that like – Consciously, she knows that that's what she's here for. She wants to yeah. be a mother. Yep. She has to protect her child. Oh, yeah. And the ending kind of threw me off. I expected... Uh, I thought Justin Long was going to survive. I thought he was going to be our lone survivor. Oh, man. I, 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 we definitely got to just news, though. Like, for, yeah. for what he'd done in the movie and just... Yeah. He, like, just him throwing her off. That was it. Like, I felt like, okay... He's he clear. was like, oh, you slipped. I tried to save you. I was almost at a point where I was like, you could have almost been redeemable. Like, yeah. because you saw him apologize on the phone and he was trying to, you know, he clearly understands that he did wrong and he's trying to do something better about it. But instead of doing something better about it, he further makes mistakes mm-hmm. and he just puts himself into this deeper hole. And I think that's why it comes back around at the very end that like he's not going to make it. And oh, that's dude, why his death was so fucking gross, man. Oh yeah, just the split, seeing the just that kind of yeah, peeling a like popping an apple. You know, you stick your hands oh, yeah. in the apple and just peel it apart. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. fucking. It was. It's definitely in a top five of just gross murders. Oh yeah, but and I like that there weren't very many like. You know, we, we don't see a lot of victims. Like, we see that no. there were a lot of people that were affected by it. But throughout the movie, we only see really three characters or four characters really be affected by the barbarian uh, woman. Yes. You know, so it was Justin Long's character, Bill Skarsgård's <laughs> character. Uh, I can't remember her name, but the female lead. Tess? Was it Tess? Something like that? I think it was Tess. I think that's yeah. who she was. And then... Uh, of course, uh, the, the homeless guy. Yeah. Oh, that was, dude. To have your own arm ripped off and then beaten to and death. Be, with yeah. It. Oh man, it felt very. What a fucking way to go. What a way to go. I mean, shit. He's like, oh, she's never come in here before. Right. But it was definitely a lot of fun. It, it was a pleasant surprise. It felt like the first horror yeah. movie in a long time that felt new it felt interesting <laughs> yeah it was deontay his death was hilarious because it was so fucking out of nowhere oh as soon as he's like oh she's never coming here and it's like boom ah! yeah. and it was oh man but it, it was and, and i liked the comedy that they had in the film i like that yeah. the comedy was very like yeah. subtle but it wasn't overpowering yeah. like yeah, they i like the scene when she first opened up too the much it wasn't injected in in like bad moments or to try to light heart a moment. It was like, it was like it would. Yeah, she was. <laughs> it's like she was waiting for that fucking moment for him to say, "Oh, she's never coming here." But yeah, I think we beat that movie to death. Literally, it, it's such a it's a fun movie. 
I mean, I, we, I know we've said a lot about it, and we probably, hopefully we didn't ruin it too bad. But, yeah, it, it, the name does not do it justice, because you're not getting a barbarian. I mean, you are to some degree, but it's not the barbarian you think you're getting. I think that's how you should definitely do, like, a horror film, though. I think that the title shouldn't always allude to what we see in the film, you know? It's kind of yeah. like the... Like Midsummer or uh, what was that other one? Uh, Hereditary. You know, I felt that I feel like that's kind of the way that horror should be kind of moving in because horror does have to evolve. That's what we're seeing. And that's why we went from, you know, the 70s to the 80s to the 90s. We see how horror became kind of what it is today where yeah. we have either the just shock horror or we have that kind of B movie horror. And it's just we found all these different avenues to go with horror. And I think that it's interesting to see where we're at today. Yeah, Deontay's reminding us, don't go too deep. We got an ass load of stuff. So with that being said, Deontay, thank you, good sir. And so let's go to Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which I think is we get that old school feel with new school flair. 100%. And we get that. Alfred Hitchcockian presenter, like the way he presents himself to start the telling of the stories, very much Alfred and Vincent Price-esque feel to him before the start of each story, which I found very, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a... It's almost like the Twilight Zone, too, where it kind of has yes. like an ominous beginning of the story. Yes, and it it took me back to me being a child, sitting there with my grandma, watching the Twilight Zone when I shouldn't mm -hmm. be up. And I can't sleep, <laughs> yeah. but I'm watching the fucking Twilight Zone, and that's why I probably can't sleep to begin with. <laughs> so, and, and that's what it gave me. I really enjoyed that nostalgic yeah. feel before it got to the story, in which... The stories were really retellings of stories that we've seen in the past or we've read from stuff, you know, whether it's H.P. Lovecraft, the comic book, R.L. Stein, what have you. And that's literally what it gave to us. And it, it was refreshing to see and to feel that. So you had that nostalgic mix with that f new school flair. So what was what's what bees it, people? How'd y'all feel? I haven't seen it yet, so you guys. Oh, okay. I know Jen's been vibing on it. Yeah. It's definitely um, this year's most impressive yeah. anthology series that's come out. I mean, a couple of people throw those out every once in a while. You get it with the After Dark Film Festival when they do it. Yeah. Um, you'll get like uh, the Oat Studio did theirs, which was pretty good. Uh, but and there was the one this, that just come out recently. It was like, was it this year or last year? The all-female writer, producer. Think, yeah, it was a year or two. I know what you're talking about. It was, yeah, those uh, were really good, too. Yeah, so, I mean, this one, though, seems more, like, on track with uh, like like old school the old stories. school, like The Outer yeah. Limits, uh, yep. you know, Tales from the Crypt, um, along those lines of, Hey, we got a different director. It may be a story you're familiar with. It may be yep. the kind of scenes and so forth that are familiar. You've read H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, before pretty much every episode, they have 
Del Toro tell you, you know, hey, it's this guy, it's based on H.P. Lovecraft, or it's, you know, which is pretty much every everything that's been shown. But seeing someone else's take or them presenting it to you like that mm -hmm. uh, was very interesting, you know, yep. and the production value, the level of which the, the dedication to try to present you with something good. Because, I mean, we've all seen anthologies. Uh, I don't know if everybody remembers uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monsters. Mm -hmm. Monsters was mm -hmm. an 80s kind of. Like mm -hmm. Tales of Terror. It, when you talk about production value grill. failures, those are production value failures. Where suddenly yeah. you're like, this is a pretty good story. And then they turn out. Um, and it wasn't you know, overdone with CGI either. And you're like, this, yeah. this just totally hit the toilet. So, but they, they, they avoid that with this series. They, they definitely put out the effort yeah. and um, it shows. And I would not be mad if Netflix and Guillermo did this every fucking Halloween season. Right. Yeah. Like, they, they, like I, we this to me. Back in the day, you used to have a fear, you know, uh, what no. was it? They used to have the fear, fear watch or whatever on AMC mm -hmm. every, you know, every October. Yep. Um, they used to USA have the, uh, Network used to have horror yep. movies at night. You know, you had yep. Elvira. What about that? Elvira or Gilbert Godfrey presents. Gilbert yeah. Godfrey presents. Yeah. They had the After Dark films. Yeah, yep. After Dark. I mean, every year, but then that's kind of all falling off, you know, and we we end up getting uh, a lot of regurgitated horror, I feel like. I mean, I, I've listened to you guys talk about Garbarian, and it sounds like that might be uh, pretty pretty interesting as in a different different avenue. It but is. A, as, as far as slashers, I mean, we've really beaten that horse to death. I mean, they even brought Scream back. And, uh, Screen and we didn't need that the, uh, shit. We really did not need movies. So, and that's just a money grab to me. Once you start bringing shit back like that, that's a money grab. Like, hey, we haven't seen the fucking dude from Scream in a while. Let's bring him back. Well, you know, and it, it seems like every time they do it, I'm like, oh, okay. Who who is it this time? Mm -hmm. Like, who who's mad about that kid's death this time around? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like okay. I, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The summer Which, by the way, could be up there with the franchises, but we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. But um, no, so the Cabinet of Curiosities, if y'all have not, sit down to enjoy it. Sit down and enjoy it. Episode seven's a little trippy, like Jen had mentioned. Like, <laughs> I can get through it. Like, I've seen it like somewhere before, and I can't put my finger on it quite yet. I will eventually. I'll probably be at work this week you go you're like oh fuck that's where that's from <laughs> but yeah. it it never fails but so we do get what's his name from uh harry potter rupert rupert, rupert Grint. Grint. yeah i thought his episode was very well done yeah and yeah even the ones i wasn't too i didn't the last episode like, the, uh, like in the know. series is um is based on the birds, I believe is the name of it. But it, it, I thought even that one was very well done. It's not really scary or jump screamy or anything like that. It's just a very well told story. I think it's not like I said. It's not scary per se. I mean, you do get a ghost in it, and you've seen it a hundred fucking times. But it's the way it was done that really, really did it. So, 
I, you, you know, the one that, um, which one was it? The autopsy one. Yes. You, you know what that actually reminded me of? Do you remember the 80s movie called The Hidden? It sounds familiar. So it's the, um, gosh, I'm trying to, do you remember the main character off the old Dune? What was his name? Kyle? Yeah, he was on Twin Peaks. Yeah, he was on uh, Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so he was in this movie back in the 80s called The Hidden, and he was chasing an alien that used to take over people's bodies, like the alien mm -hmm. that was in this show. And I just, I remember every time we watched an episode, I'm like, oh, it kind of reminds me of this. Oh, it kind of reminds me of that. But I thought it was every time that they did it, it was so tastefully done that I mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't mind like watching something kind of similar, but yeah, but I think there was an episode of the files very similar to this one as well. Which one was that? The one with the alien. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know if any of you have seen the autopsy of Jane Doe. I have. Yeah. That fucking movie was creepy was as awesome. fuck. Yeah, um, it, it was awesome. It was creepy. Yeah, and it, it, that whole that's, movie. That's another avenue where I feel like they, they 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 took an idea that was different, and they definitely they definitely knocked it out the park. You know, but um, I think we all have that sense of. The mortuary or the morgue or anything having that just the vibe of mortuary gives. yeah a vibe. Fucking even weird. if it doesn't scare you it's yeah. still got that feeling you still get that skin feeling. crawling feel on you though i mean i work in a hospital i mean there's Oof. unfortunately sometimes where i have to go to the morgue and let me tell you as long as i've been doing my job i mean i still walk in there and it still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it is you get like yeah. the hair on your neck stands up your skin crawls a little bit yeah. and i think and watching that entire autopsy episode it that's the vibe like yeah and then you hear the sounds coming from the the meat locker and you're just like oh yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, Tommy, I think you'll enjoy it. You'll definitely yeah, it's uh, really good. <laughs> hearing your, your views on horror, you'll definitely find something along that yeah. that anthology that you'll you'll like. I mean, Will was like, I screamed like a little, little bitch during that one. Man, but, I gotta check this out. <laughs> you know, the the other episode that I had a really hard time with was the um the aloe glow one with the the lotion. <laughs> yes. And that one, it, so it's not scary. It's it's. Be careful what you wish for, kind of thing. Yeah, it, it all about vanity and what vanity fucking does to people. That yeah, I mean, it was that awkward, like I don't know how to awkward reality kind of like you're trying to think of a movie that's similar to it. Like, you know, moments in uh, Edward Scissorhands where it come, becomes surreal amongst the people of the neighborhood. Like, it's almost yeah. like a an abstract dream that even though everything is normal, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, Beetlejuice. It's, There's parts of Beetlejuice mm -hmm. like that. It's conveyed in a way that nobody looks scary. Nothing crazy is going on, but it's it, it tugs at you inside as the, the terror beneath the surface kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I the one creepy fucking scene I can say, I mean, aside from her fucking smashing homie with the ats, like when she goes back downstairs and it's like the lotion is alive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're like, wait, what? what what's but going on? Like, is it up here? You know, you, and I, I kept thinking the whole thing's in her fucking head. 
I thought that's the whole too. thing I thought about the entire time is like this is just in her head. None yeah. of this is really real. And I think toward the end of it, well, at the end where she kind of does that weird pause screen and she's yeah. staring at the screen, you know, and you're kind of like, well, I think reality just kind of sit in on her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we all, I mean, Tommy hadn't seen it, but we all kind of agree. Watch it, Tommy. I will. Yeah, I'll be good. How about I uh, mean, it took me three things. days. We got, but... we got Stranger Things this year, and uh, that's definitely a horror show. I didn't. Oh, so after season two, I lost all interest. I couldn't watch season three. I tried to get back into it. It, it took too long. It, it took too long for season three to come out. Yeah. And I just lost the interest in it. Stupid COVID. Mm. Season two was the worst season. It, it really was. It was fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but That's why it, they never went back to her friends in the city. Because... Nobody cares. It was one of those yeah. like nobody cares. Well, yeah, I thought, I thought they I were thought that was build. completely irrelevant. Like well, the whole city thing and her trying to track down where the fuck she's from. Completely I irrelevant. That time back in my life. That's what I want. <laughs> Please. Oh man. Yeah, no, I dug the uh the most recent season though, I thought was pretty good though. I That's thought what my daughter said. I, awesome. I I need to sit down and watch Three and four eventually. Three and four. Just forget two happened. They just kind of I mean, felt like a return. That. It almost think, felt like a return back to that first season with three and four. Yeah, it it kind of felt yeah. they were doing that D D stuff. It finally mm. felt like it was kind of getting back to what that first one caught with the uh the eighties feel and the yeah. good. Uh, I have to sit down and watch it then. Yeah, I the nostalgia again. It was it was definitely worth it. That the the fact that all the original actors and stuff still stick around and you know they, they bring it to life for us and it and it's good. It was it was it was a good watch. Oh yeah, and I like how things are kind of wrapping back around. Like we're finally seeing you know stuff with Hopper. We're finally seeing you know the the <laughs> but we're we're seeing kind of that uh that moving forward aspect in the season. Yeah. That kind of yeah. definitely they're trying to get away from everything that's happened and it's just sucking them back in to do it all over again. Yeah, so one of my... Day, I mean, that was, that was, I feel that's the whole point of this season was uh, uh, moving forward, moving towards um, future, the end, or not the end, but, you know, the future of, they got to live. There's got to be life after Jess Hawkins, you know, horror. Yeah. So, so... It, and the way Jeff used to explain, you like how things get linked together, especially like King, King's writings. You'll you'll kind of like this once you catch back up. You'll kind of like how they they made everything at least come full circle enough where you're like, oh, okay, that's okay. why they did that, or oh, that's who that is, or that's how she did that. It it, it goes back enough to give you enough of that anchoring and hey, here's mm -hmm. some connection lines to the beginning, and then. We're we're shooting for the the future, the end, the the end game. So we know Hopper was in the military, and we know he became the sheriff of the the town. But if let's and this is going to be a good segue into the next movie we're going to talk about. In the first Predator, there is a Hopper. They find his dog Taz. This is one of my yeah. favorite theories. It was, even though it's not true, it was they literally. I read another thing that said, oh, it's not the same thing, but it's still cool to think about. It's the same Hopper yeah. in Stranger Things that was in the first Predator. 
No I hope not because I love pop and that would be terrible. Because I do too. And, and, and that's just one of my favorite theories because all they found was the dog tags. They didn't find Hopper's body and they're like, oh, well, Hopper has a way of getting out of things. And I was like, that's fucking Hopper from Stranger Things. He gets out of everything. <laughs> but on to the Predator. Let's talk about Prey. I think it was the best in the franchise. Hands I down. Think- Straight up, like, uh, and I had a discussion with somebody who had an issue with the way that the Predator looked. And to me, I had an issue with the fact that they kind of did the CGI over the Predator. Because if you look at the actual practical stuff, he definitely looks more primal. And it definitely kind of recaptures that look that the original Predator had where he was kind of wet and kind of slimy. And he had that kind of glistening look to his skin and uh, the black kind of hair kind of things that are coming out of him had that kind of yep. shine to him. So I felt that that was the only mistake I feel like they had with the Prey movie was that they shouldn't have done any CGI over the pre- Predator itself because I feel like the Predator with the practical effects look perfect. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of those where you have to think this is a prequel to everything that's already happened. Oh, yeah. So the way I looked at it was like the Predator has evolved to some degree to where he's at in the modern franchise, per se, in the most recent movie. But if the Predator that we got in Prey is the Predator we should have had in Prey. Oh, yeah. I think as he went, further seasons got longer, and they, you know how they started splicing human DNA and other DNA into the Predator genome was basically... Yeah. We got the bigger, stronger, taller, faster predators. Yeah, there's three subspecies of the Yancha or Yanta or whatever they, you know, the name of the predator species. You see that in Predators with uh, Adrian Brody. Honestly, that was not a good movie, but it gave you more details of to what they are. Yeah, and I love that. I love that movie. And I, I, did, I, did, it well. I thought it, it shows was... the berserker version and versus the standard jungle version that we're all used to. Mm-hmm. And then this version, the feral version, is supposed to be yet another, you know, just like, yep. um, just ra- you know, like almost racial divisions between them or subspecies of the same, you know, overall mm-hmm. arcing predators. Yep. So. He doesn't look the same, but if you take his face with the mask off, and then you take one of the ones from Predators, and then you take one, you know, the jungle one, and you take the wolf predator from AVP, all of them have slight variations, yep. kind of like you would with, you know, different species of, you know, or different types of, uh, let's say, lizards, like monitor lizards. You know, you could probably take two different monitor lizards, and there's one that lives in a tropical climate versus one that lives in a you know semi-arid climate may be different looking mm-hmm. you know no yeah. yeah i love the movie i'm not yeah. gonna sit here and bullshit nobody if anybody says that movie sucked they ain't got no fucking taste no that was an excellent <laughs> i mean and i like that it wrapped back around to predator 2 yes. which was like you know we finally figure out where the gun came from mm-hmm. you know it, it been a mystery that we've been waiting for since the second 20 movie came fucking out, years, twenty plus years, yeah. no fucking thirty years at this point. Oh yeah, and it yeah. It, it, it was nice seeing that kind of wrap. Will said that movie again. sucked. <laughs> like, come on, dude, come on, Will. Uh, I love that movie. I, I thought too. the movie was awesome. And Hell, I, I enjoyed like, Prometheus. Prometheus, I enjoyed too. I feel like because you have to when you look at the Alien movies, the Alien movies like right. 
disregard AVP. Yeah, like AVP doesn't matter in the Alien franchise. No, in the, the Predator franchise, went. it's all canon. Yeah, but for the AVP, like for the Alien franchise, it's not. So yep. that's what I liked about Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought Alien Covenant was just a return back to that kind of horror that we saw in the first film, and I really liked the the HR Geiger kind of look that they were doing yep. you know and that's why i like the alien movies and kind of that return to that instead yep. of it just being all action-packed it's like that eerie that slimy that disgusting kind of you know that so look we got to it. ripley in the, the original alien oh yeah and uh, that's what i would love to see us return back to is that kind of uh otherworldly look mm. that the xenomorphs bring with them that wherever they go it's like this this infestation takes over and it's it changes the physical landscape it changes you know the uh vegetation and the wildlife around them you know that's what i really liked about alien covenant was that we saw like the spores yep. the spores started to affect people and it started to change them and it's just something that i feel like could really be built upon and i'd like to see more of it so i'm wondering when we're going to get another alien film moving forward i think we will more sooner than later, I think. So what else do we have for, for that's come out so far this year from the horror standpoint that we should look into for the best horror film of 2022 or show? I would put Sandman in there. I feel like Sandman had quite a bit of horror elements to it that really kind of bring it into the horror world, especially with that yeah. episode six. Yeah. Uh, with the Well, not episode six. It would actually... I think episode four... Four or five was that 24-hour diner episode. Yes. And that one was just, I felt it translated well from the page mm -hmm. to the screen. I felt like that was one of the few adaptations that really did it well and kind of and so, captured what the comic was trying to do. There were so many episodes where you could literally sit there with the book open yeah. and follow it word for fucking word. word, for word. Yep. Exactly. And I loved it. And death, the, the girl that done death, man, she was oh my amazing. God, that was just... And then lust, also the dude. They that, just pulled the. the... I, I, well, I can't say oh, yeah. dude, can I? I yeah. this, she well, desire, is desire, a, yeah, is... desire, yeah, desire. Desire is whatever it appears to whomever yeah. they're but looking at. The, like the person that played desire was phenomenal. Like, oh, absolutely! Amazing, and, uh, just like. The, what they brought to the character is what you get in the comic book. And the oh, Sandman, yeah. he's, he, he is very... He's naive in the comic book, too. He, he really is. He, he, he's aware, but he's not aware of what is going on. Like, he is, but he isn't. His only concerns is what's around him and what he affects. Are you able to... Click on the comments. No. You see what Deontay said? He said death, death is my baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> you owe 75 king in child support, but bro, you might want to get on top of that one, man. But man, but I, I felt like death death surprised me because that yeah. one was one that you really had to that was one of the characters that were either gonna make or break the show. Because <laughs> death is so yeah. beloved by comic book readers. Dude, I have a whole bots of her comic books like many of the different death storylines 
Oh yeah, I have like the, the mini like the high cost of living. The girl the high cost of living. I have that signed. Uh, I do too by Chris Bocciolo, and I, I got like signed. this uh, yep. this uh, the certificate of death with it. So that, that was yep. pretty cool with it too. And but, then if you can see, I'm sitting in the dark, but on the shelf in the back, I have all my uh, graphic novels for the Sandman. Oh uh, man, up on, up on my nerd kind of bookshelf that I got over here to the side, I have a Sandman number one on top, just yeah. kind of chilling up and then there. Then I have, like, underneath my desk here, is like, it went un underneath this desk and along the back wall, I have boxes of just comic books, and I got a lot of <laughs> stuff from Tinian, like, boom, right here. Signed, autographed, right. slabbed, Department of Truth. Signed by Tinian. This is a That's great comic cool. book, by the way. Yeah, I've been trying to get into the book. One. If you can find the book, read the book. If you're into conspiracy theories, this is the one to go to. Oh yeah, but Tinian, Tinian's actually become like a writer that has grown on me. Tom King is another writer that has grown on me. Absolutely. Yep. Same with like a uh, Chip Zdarsky. I feel like he's one that came out of nowhere for mm -hmm. me. That it was like I read his Daredevil stuff, and I was like, "That's so how a lot of here. these guys." Okay, let's first of all, I hated fucking COVID. I hated it. But what COVID did was create a fucking boom in the comic book industry. Period. Like it went from, you know, kind of almost fluttering to like this gigantic boom again. And that's why we're getting the Sandman now. It's because people are going back and are like, oh damn, these were great stories. Oh yeah. Well, and we they even relate to Sandman. For 20, 20 plus years, like they were wanting to do a Sandman movie back when the comic first came out. Yeah, well, he would That's never let them do it one. because they they wanted to take creative control away from him. Oh yeah, like, because Fuck no, I think what Neil Gaiman really did me. back then was he really pushed the limits with you know he added a lot of like transgender characters were in the story, gay characters were in the story. He was really dealing with like societal issues at a time yep. that societal issues weren't really being. You look dealt at what with. he wrote with uh, Constantine. Or Constantine, I should say, in the movie, in the TV show, he gave us a female Constantine, which is what we presume to be the granddaughter or maybe even the daughter of Constantine. Hell, it could even be his daughter or oh, it could no, be no, his no, sister's no. daughter. That was completely different. So, what happened with Constantine, with Joanna, is that it was a rights issue. It was more so Neil Gaiman oh, was right to Joanna Constantine. He doesn't own the rights to John Constantine. So instead he just So DC still it. owns John? Well, DC will always own John. John yeah. is their property. But since Joanna Constantine was his creation, what he decided to do was that instead of trying to fight for the right for John Constantine, they just gender swapped it. So the Joanna Constantine that we see is just the gender swap version of John Constantine. And but her ancestor, the Joanna Constantine that we see during that uh kind of a, a 100 year or whatever yeah the 100 year guy yeah. that is from the issue 13 of sandman that is supposed to be john constantine's ancestor so they've kind of changed it so they just made it so that john is joanna this time so that episode was another one of those episodes that was almost a tearjerker because it did follow the comic book and it was just a beautifully written story oh yeah I just wish that we saw a bit more of like the horror aspect in that one. I think because if we get to season two, I think we will get that. So, um, 
Because I send, send what, a prayer what, up to the Netflix story? gods that we get a season two. Well, I think the, the tone of the first season kind of stayed more towards the fantasy side of it instead of it going did. more towards horror. It, so and if you go back to his season. early stuff, that's kind of where he was with it. He didn't yeah. really get really dark until much later. Oh, yeah, no, which, issue six was that. 24-hour diner. It was always dark from the very beginning. It was. No, the 24-hour diner was like, season. you saw the, yeah, the just one episode. in general wasn't, yeah. you had the dark, like the, the diner was dark. And uh, when they go, when they go more into, um, oh man, I'm already losing the, um, what was the, the serial killer? Oh, the uh, Corinthian. Corinthian, yeah. Those those moments showed the darkness, but yeah. from the very beginning, they tried. I think they tried to keep it as uh, fantasy, like Jen said, or, or open, so more casual fans will will hook in, and then you mm -hmm. can then you can go because in the beginning they they steered away from the nightmare side of you know Sandman's reality more so to just dream in general, being a general idea of a reality outside of your conscious reality. They didn't want, you know, they didn't focus on the dark side of that as much as possible. I don't think until they actually got probably this episode four or five, yeah. Yeah. then it oh, slowly yeah. starts to tilt in that direction. So people mm -hmm. are like, oh, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Dreams encompass nightmares, they encompass terror, they encompass, you know. So it, I think that you probably get more of that in the second season if the following loves that enough to to draw it out because right now they could stick with it being still just slightly dark and people would probably still watch it. They would. Although you know from the writing it can go really dark. So really, really dark. You know, really, it's, really it's fast. All, I think that a lot of that's gonna be what makes the series successful, what people are waiting to see, what more do they want to know. And I mm -hmm. think it'll grow that they want to know more about Sam, you know, Sandman and in, in general. Uh, there's some and, then you can they can delve deeper. There's some stories with battles of the Sandman and the Devil in the comic book that will blow your fucking minds away. That's oh, the, I, the one that battle they showed. One of my episodes was the simple way yeah, they did that, that battle. That was awesome. That was yeah. amazing. They actually have some full on physical battles too that are just mm -hmm. ridiculous in the books. Yeah, I, mean, I can't wait for the next story. Outstandingly arc. written. Yep. It, it was it was better than most iterations I've ever seen of the devil confronting someone. Yes. The level to which that they their fight happened was amazing. And it was a tearjerker. Like no kid in that episode is so well done from a writing and from a acted standpoint oh, that yeah. it like it was beautiful. Like damn it was good. So have we? Have, what else can? What else was has twenty two gave us from the horror genre? I mean, it's been a pretty good year for the horror genre. Did anybody watch Interview with the Vampire? Not the new one. Yeah, no, the new not. series. Is it out? Yeah. What, what's it on? It's on AMC. Ah, uh, okay. Oh yeah, okay. I don't have AMC. I have AMC. I just didn't realize it was out. I've been seeing a lot of stuff about it. I just didn't realize it dropped yet. <laughs> they did about. How many episodes are they in? A month ago? They they released all of it at once. 
and it's okay. it's 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 different from the book. Like it kind of goes back to where Louis is wanting to retell his story to the original um, well, uh, Boyle that did it the the first time. Mm -hmm. and, and Rice. In, instead of him kind of playing like the uh, the victim the first time around, like he did in the actual book, he's mm -hmm. actually making it to where like he was more like in love with Lestat. Yeah. And so instead of Louis being like a like a white like plantation owner this time around, you know, he's a black man that's living in um, New Orleans, basically. Mm -hmm. And it kind of changes like the whole tone of the story. I think it was something you guys were talking about too, like with Sam and how it may have been more well received in this era because they had like transgender characters and mm -hmm. homosexual characters and the, the like. Well, the Neil Gaiman's always written that way. He yeah. Wrote, oh, yeah, he's kind of like John Constantine is about bisexual. Like, yeah. John Constantine's been a bisexual since the 80s. Yeah, but like the the interviews of Vampire, the only thing I can really remember from Anne Rice, and anybody remembers differently, please say so in the comments. But the only thing that I really remember that Anne Rice talked about was that, you know, all she mentioned was Lestat and Louis were lovers. They never really got into to details. But in the series, it goes into way more detail it doesn't leave anything really hidden so it kind of felt like them kind of redoing it and like retelling yeah. the story is actually probably doing it more justice than like the actual movie did and, yeah i have I mean, to check that out i'm a yeah, big Anne rice yeah. Guy. i love Anne rice's vampire series yeah and the guy that they got to play with stat oh, man he's awesome he's playing the queen he's, of the day definitely Tell me a, that. amazing i mean yeah i'm biased i Tom Cruise ruins everything for me. So <laughs> Thank you. yeah, yeah. Except for Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. I really like. I really liked Edge of Tomorrow. Okay, really that movie is awesome. That, that, that one was all right. Same with like the, the last Samurai. Movie. The last Samurai was also okay. That so, was, uh, yeah, I like uh, the last Samurai. So, so best, TV, like best horror TV show of 2022, What do y'all got? Uh, I wanted to ask. I already asked Jeff. I wanted to ask so. Tommy. Have you seen From? No. That show. Oh, list I, I can't wait for both of you to watch it. Um, I would really like to hear your take on it. Um, I would say it's uh, it's reminiscent of the unknowns of Lost. Like in the beginning when Lost was very, very like uh, mysterious. Mm -hmm. It's got that, but a lot more fear. And um, the building of that fear and the uh, it's it's kind of that old school. You don't get to see why you're scared yet until it draws you into the story. And I think you guys would really like. I'd really like to see hear you see it, your your views that. And um, I don't know if either of you watched Yellow Jackets, but I heard that that was actually pretty good. It was like a. I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, so I know that's got a lot of buzz going on. Um, it's like Lord of the Flies with a girl, a girls team, a soccer team or volleyball team or something. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, but okay. it's a more supernatural side, I guess, having okay. more influence, like beyond just the Lord of Flies psychological influence, more of a uh, actual uh, influence. So, but there's a lot of buzz on that. Um, American Horror Story, of course, always yeah. has, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a season come out. And, um, I don't think they failed to impress for the most part. Uh, the, the they've had a couple of seasons that were love their. That worked good. Um, I really enjoyed the first four, and that was yeah. about it for me. Five was 
because I really liked Freak Show. Freak Show was Freak like Show was really bit. good. That was yeah. like really fun, and then like I, especially like the musical moments that you saw in like Freak Show. Those those I think really mm-hmm. solidified it as being one of my favorite seasons. So for me on the 2022 TV show, I'm gonna go with the Cabinet of Curiosities with a very very fucking close second of the Sandman for TV show. Now for my movie for 2022. Man, I I still really don't want to call anything so far. I did enjoy Prey, Barbarian. I thought was really good. There's I still gotta watch the new Halloween. As do I. And it, I I still yeah. want to see the Terrifier one and two. Me too. But I I'm I still too early for me to call a horror movie for 2022 right now. So I'm gonna leave yeah, that one as a. We'll circle back. That's how I feel movie. too. That's how I feel about it too. But like, but for from what I've seen, I think I like Barbarian a bit more than Prey, just because it was yeah a surprise. Yeah. It was something uh, that came out yes. of nowhere that yep. was like, okay, this is something different and that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. So I you, knew the, you knew what the end, the ultimate confrontation is going to be in Prey. Yes, but you didn't in Barbarian. You know? oh, no, so, absolutely man. not. Yeah. And I, I really thought this would be one of the ones where the bad guy might actually win in Barbarian. Like, that's where I thought it was going. Right. And that, I mean, we didn't really get that at the end of it, but that's the way it felt. But TV show-wise, though, I'd have to say Sandman. But I'm kind of biased because, like, I Preacher's my favorite comic of all time, and then Sandman would be a yeah. close second. Just because... It's something that feels genuine and real, and it feels like you can connect with these characters, and it yeah. draws you in like you're in this world that you but just want to keep digging into. And you, and sometimes it even makes you look at your own reality and be like, yeah. huh, maybe this is the way it is. And then you also you have to look at what else that gave us. So the Sandman universe gave us – it gave us Constantine. It gave us preacher. It, I mean, it oh gave no, us- no, no! Sam, Sandman didn't do. Sandman, what it did was that it it, it definitely caused the vertigo imprint. Yeah, you know, without Sandman, but Swamp Thing gave us Constantine. Swamp Thing was definitely like because his first appearance. Constantine is in Swamp Thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. Trust me, I'm about to buy the comic book off yeah. five hundred dollars worth. So of like that Swamp Thing was definitely. I think Swamp Thing was really what started that Vertigo stuff, so and then that's Constantine what is Sandman. in the Sandman universe. He is oh, just yeah. unnamed at the time. So Constantine did not get a name until his first appearance in the Swamp Thing. Yeah, but, but he's like, always been around. Yeah, issue I'm sorry, I'm four or three. I think issue three of Sandman is when he first shows up. What? Yeah, Abby got fed. But no, she needs to probably go out. Definitely, like, you know, without Sandman, we wouldn't have gotten like Preacher, which is its own thing. And then we wouldn't have gotten like Doom Patrol by Grant Morrison, which was, I think, incredible. I think everybody should sit down and read Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol because it's just so fun. It's so out there, it's so Mm -hmm. different. And that's what I really miss about the 90s with Vertigo was that it was just something that was so out of. So we do have DC Dark Label now, which replaced Vertigo. Yeah, but they're starting to produce a lot more stuff. The issue that I have with it is that they use a lot of superhero characters still, though. 
what I liked about Vertigo was that like Preacher Preacher didn't have any superheroes. Well, he was a omnip he had an omnipotent god living inside of him. Oh yeah. But that that was what was great about Preacher was that Preacher was like he had this other living being within yeah. him that was equivalent to God. And that was yeah. what was interesting about Preacher. He was the and then offspring had... of a angel and a devil. Oh yeah. And so if you the... haven't watched Preacher, it, it's got some slow moments in it, but it's worth to sit down. It's on AMC. Oh yeah. And, and if anything, read the phenomenal. book, man. Yeah, the, the book, book is, is so... phenomenal. Find the omnibuses. It's so wonderful. Like it, it became my favorite book the first time I read it. I was like, okay, just from the characters. Like, I mean, you you get the Irish vampire Cassidy. Cassidy you get man, you know, that character probably made the show for me. Oh, Cassidy is amazing. Even yeah. in the comic, he's amazing. The but comic, I like the death that you get in the comic for Cassidy because Cassidy is a lot more of a deeper character than yep. just being the drug addict and all that. Our space, our space was. Oh man, if you read like the actual like his origin and all that in mm -hmm. the comics, completely different from in the show. It's not a lover, it's not anything like that. He's he and his friend are like idolizers of Kurt Cobain. And when Kurt Cobain killed himself, uh his friend All right, we gotta be him. moving on. Sorry guys. Oh, yeah. Jen, EJ, what's what's your what's your your votes for the best of twenty two so far? T V show and movie. I don't know about the movie. It's it's hard. I've I've seen so many this year that I really liked, but they haven't quite hit number one yet. Yeah, I would have to say that probably I'm the same. The Sandman and Cabinet of Curiosities comes like a close second, just because the Sandman. I love how he embraces both of like his dualities as being mm -hmm. dream and then also being a nightmare too. And, it, and him just kind of like rediscovering himself after being imprisoned for so long. I think they picked like Tom Scourge did such a great job doing that. So I look forward to hopefully them doing many more seasons of that. EJ, you with you with Jim? Uh, as far as movies, um, I feel like if I'm going with horror so far, I mean we've all kind of agreed there's still openness. I mean, we've got stuff just now coming out at the end of the month. Um, yep. You know, so, but from what I've seen so far, um, I'd have to, I'd have to give it to the, the Hellraiser remake or the Hellraiser reboot. Horror. I'm going to straight mm -hmm. horror. Okay. Yeah. Um, Prey is a better movie, but it's science fiction slash horror. Mm -hmm. Whereas Hellraiser is not. It's not slash anything. It's it's horror. It's straight horror. Yeah. Okay? That's yeah. what they're coming with. That's what they're giving you. You know, it's horror. So I went with that. Um, as far as shows, I'm still going to go with From. As far as horror, um, okay. I love Sandman. Sandman was probably the best series I've seen released on streaming this year. But it's not pure horror. It's uh, yeah. it's a lot of different things. It's it encompasses so much more, and it's more on a on a dramatic scale than most horror ever usually achieves. So I put Sandman in a different category. He does have horror, but he is, he encompasses way too much for that. And the cabinet of curiosities falls in anthology. Um, if I'm just going to compare anthologies, I mean, that's, you got anthologies have a different way than divide off against a different, I mean, against series. Okay. A series yeah, that makes is going to carry on with a storyline. 
you know, it, to me, from and Stranger Things, we're battling it out in my head. But from being brand new, as far as its ideas and, and what I saw of it, it, it won for me. But Stranger Things would be next. And uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, I give it props, but it's an anthology. If we were comparing okay. anthologies, that'd be different. It'd be the top, but it's not a series. It's much easier to convey a short story than it is to convey a whole 10 episode series. You know, you're, you're when you're trying to keep the horror going, keep the fear, keep the suspense, one hour is a lot easier than, you know, 10 hours. No, so, you, that's very true. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I call from was definitely the best one for me this this uh, this year. All right. So next up, let's look at you want to go the top five antagonists of all time. Or we want to do favorite horror author and director. I think we've already touched on the favorite horror author and director in a way when we talked about yeah. the yeah. franchises. Yeah, that kind of I think we do too. Because a lot yeah. of them are from the best four guys, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, let's go to our top five antagonists of all time. And we're talking from this the beginning of horror to now. And I know we've already, we probably Man. got a feeling where we're leaning because we've already listed our top five franchises. And I think most of those antagonists in those franchises. Or could easily be the top five. Yeah. But I mean, we're going all time here. All um, time. You can't you can't go wrong with Dracula, man. I mean, you're talking about all time horror top dog. It all these other guys that came along after that, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're you, you go back, man. He's been since the silent film era, he's been our, our guy. So top antagonist. You got to give it to Dracula. I mean, Bell Lugosi, yeah. all the way, Bram Stoker's, he's the man. <laughs> right. And, and honestly, I, you can't, you can argue it to your blue in the face, but at the end of the day, Dracula, man, he, the way he influenced culture, mm -hmm. you, you can't deny that from, like, I still remember the first time I seen the silent film from back. God damn, I can't even remember what year that movie come out anymore. That silent film of Dracula mm -hmm. and the, the bald head and the long scrawny fingers. Like, yeah, dude, that was that it. shit was kind of creepy. Like, no joke. For there to be no sound outside of music, mm -hmm. that shit was creepy as fuck. Not scary. Yeah, Nosferatu. Mm -hmm. yeah. The OG. That's right. Deontay knows what's up. Well one of my favorite depictions of him, especially with the armors when Gary Oldman played him in Bram Stoker's. Oh, yes. That oh, yeah. Yeah. armor. And he looked like such an epic badass. I mean, it, Gary it Oldman just like pulled that. Amazing. Gary, hey, a moment to appreciate Gary Oldman, by the Gary way. Gary Oldman. Oh my God. The dude oh, fucking nails every fuck. He, Tim Curry, Gary Oldman are two dudes who, mm -hmm. you give them a You're fucking character. Irreplaceable. I know. Irreplaceable. I mean, That's the character. No further questions. Yeah. Oh, sure. But if I had to pick one for all time, though, I would say Dr. Shenard from the Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I would say the him, because for, for me, that was the first taste of the monster not actually being the villain of the yeah. film. You know, it's this guy, you know, you assume that because he's a doctor, he's there to help people. He's there to care for people. He's there to help them get better. 
when in reality he's there for his own personal gain. He wants the puzzle box open. He wants pleasure beyond belief. He wants all these things. And that's what I felt gave him depth as a character. And when we see at the end of the movie with the Cenobites turning back to their human form after they're killed, we see that they weren't always the bad guys. They weren't always this evil, these evil beings that exist for pleasure and pain. And it's really hard, especially when you see like the chatterer, you know, get killed and he ends up being like this kid. And you're just like, you know, the, the lament fit configuration is the bad guy. Dr. Chenard is the bad guy, but these Cenobites are just a byproduct of it. They're not really there to be the bad guy. They're just doing the duty that they were created for by the Leviathan. But Do Dr. Chenard throughout the entire film is there for his own personal gain up until the point that he turns into a Cenobite. And then you see him just wreak havoc as being one of the strongest Cenobites in the movie. And he eventually kills the entire Gash. So I feel like Dr. Chenard is definitely up there as being one of those villains that sticks out more so than the regular Cenobite, just because he was a human that truly didn't care for other people and was only wanting the pleasure for himself. Yeah. I liked him a lot. I mean, you know what, though? There's sometimes he lost me with his cheesy one-liners as a doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it kills me because we watched it not long ago, and yeah. I was just like, oh, God. Yeah, I went back he and watched a great few villain. of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like sometimes it was like kind of cringe and like the doctor's in. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, there was some yeah. All right, what you got, Jeff? One yeah. one, one of the goats. So for me, I've always enjoyed werewolf stuff. Anything related yeah. to werewolf. And we just recently oh. got Werewolf by Night by Marvel, which is yeah. I still have yet to watch it and I've heard nothing but good about it. Oh, it's a great but, return. Mm -hmm. But it it's uh -huh. one of those where give me a good werewolf flick, and I'm I'm all about it. American Werewolf in London, or, or it, was it Paris? Or... Makeup too. Question for you, Jeff, because I'm I'm a huge werewolf fan as well. He's probably you know one of my favorites. But how did you feel about the Wolfman movie with uh, Benicio del Toro? A lot loved of people, it. you know, I, I loved, loved that movie. A lot of people, you know, it just didn't it didn't. Uh, you know, sit with them, but I'm like, it I liked it. It gave us that old school the... vibe. Mm -hmm. Oh man! Like if you go back and watch the original Wolfman from way back in the '70s, when we got the creature from the Black Lagoon mm -hmm. or whatever it was, it was Black Lagoon. And, you know, it come out during that that era of horror, and then you watch Benicio del Toro's version of it. And it gives you that same as that vibe all over again. And I really love that movie. I don't fuck everybody else, man. That movie was great. I know, it gets a lot of slack and a lot of shit, but to me, that, that movie on the gypsy camp, the, the that was awesome. When it goes by behind that guy so quickly, but it tears his entire back out to where you see his spine in a flash. I was like, yep. that's the fear of a, a werewolf. Is the savagery, the speed, and I mean, just oh my gosh, that was so excellently put. And the whole time, you don't know that that's actually, you know, Anthony Hopkins out there, mm -hmm. you know, ripping these ripping motherfuckers up. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> it was it was so frightening because I mean, whereas Dracula presents that kind of like elegant, classy 
fear. Yeah, Dracula was a classy you know? motherfucker, man. He's like, look, I can control your mind and drain you to, to nothing. You know, but the werewolf, I mean, he hit them so quick and went through there in such a fury. It was like, you know, bodies left and right. No one knows what the F's going on. You know, it was it was impressive, I thought. You yeah, got 24 my, minutes, guys. So I think my, my favorite werewolf of all time will always be Lucian now. Oh, yeah. Lucian will always be my favorite werewolf. I think that was. I think those movies well are done. severely underrated, too. I agree. Those movies were amazing. And it, it gives you our two favorite, you know, horror creatures, vampires and werewolves going at it. Mono e mm -hmm. mono from the beginning of time. Yeah. And it, it's, it's well done. Granted, it, they there were some of those movies that shouldn't have happened. Really. Well, you There's know, some bad I, ones, but at the yeah. same time, even the bad ones are good. Well, I think, that, and that's, um, I think that's the first time I remember like the werewolves in like a long time, like not looking goofy. Mm -hmm. Like they did it so well. Like they, yeah. like like proportions and just like the way their face looked. Because you know sometimes you get these werewolf movies and it just looks like a fluffy pomeranian. You're yeah. like, that's not even <laughs> yeah. scary. It's like yeah. Teddy yeah, but I mean. I mean that one, even like the the makeup and the CGI yeah, that they used to show them morphing. Yeah, their legs were just been ripping off, and then the, yeah, dude, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was just like hands down. Those those are my favorite werewolves. So we got the vampire werewolf. We got the doctor. What what do you got mm -hmm. for us, Jen? Oh, you, I told you you stole mine. Yeah, yeah I always damn it, you stole my Because I mean, just. I, just so you guys know, full disclosure, I've you know I'm I've known Jen for seven you know actually more like nineteen years, but twenty. Uh, anyway, considering she's in the other room, I, say, I hope you probably, know her pretty damn well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know she wanted to say Dracula, but Jen is probably the the cornerstone when it comes to knowledge about witches and so forth and witch movies, and that's why I was expecting that. But. There's, there, there are good witch movies out there, but I mean, honestly, the there's witch no, was not one of them. Honestly, there there aren't really many witch movies that come to mind that like Hocus Pocus all day. Suspiria. Yeah. Suspiria was a good witch one. Uh, yeah, I haven't is. seen that. I've seen oh, parts of it. I oh, it's dark. I, I think Dario Argento. Who's like an Italian filmmaker? Asia, yeah. yeah, it That's was Asia dad. Oh man, it was beautifully crafted. If you watch Suspiria, just the set. What about the witch itself? I never watched it. Oh, the witch! I thought I actually was trying to watch that today before we got on. Like, oh, I was, oh yeah, I, I was in the middle of. Uh, I, I had just started it, and then I got told I had to go pick up our dinner. That's why I ended up being late. Hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I had just started it, and I was like, it's that eerie kind of feeling to yeah. it and it's got that kind of old kind of you know um, before yeah, technology kind of to it. Oh, really? I, I think a lot of the witches that I like are more books like I really yeah. like the Mayfair witches that Anne Rice wrote about and how she that's got a TV in. series coming up yeah yeah it's on right. AMC it's, it's yeah. I think I don't know if it's starting oh, yet really? but it's got a uh, Rosario not Rosario Dawson um the chick from Baywatch the new Baywatch Oh yeah, she was in the um, 
what's it the lightning thief movie she played one of the the god yeah i know who you're talking about yeah i think she plays rowan doesn't she in january yeah. i'm being told by a facebook user it's january in, in january okay yeah and i i really like the those story of the witches because to me that's way like more like modern witches would be but there's just hey, really we, got that, we just had that recent sabrina the teenage witch run which was really, that was good, really too. good yeah that just means right yeah. you look at the we're, we're talking about people who have these you know we're talking about the greatest charm yeah right on deontay vampires werewolves <laughs> witches i mean you go Blair Witch was a, a, a huge turning point in in uh oh, yeah. in, in the, the way you know. horror is told. Yes, but the movie itself. But yeah. Dante it says just, charmed. Yeah, of course Deontay would say charmed. Found footage. Was Milano, man. Kind of skyrocketed for the late nineties through the early two thousands to two thousand ten. All due to Blair Witch. You know, you had witch movies that span genres like. Season of the Witch or whatever. Well, um, Paranormal yeah. Activity became about Paranormal women. Activity. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, you got you've got you've got horror movies, action movies, everything with witches involved in it. So they yep. they're, they're an antagonist that's been around for forever. Again, the like beginning of time. It, it's really. But like the the, the the influences of witches in horror, although it's not always said to be there, you know it's there. But like to me, that always felt like the the portrayal of witches is always I don't know. Like I like the ones like they more portraying like the Witcher. Like to me, that's yeah, that's too. more like yeah, yeah. like more powerful, more like magic driven. Where as you know, a lot of times it's like it's something sneaky behind the scenes, like surprise, it's witches, yeah. and it's like oh, that's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, yeah, surprise! Oh, <laughs> surprise, bitches! It's witches. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's not really okay. Thanks. You know what I mean? But there there hasn't really been anything that's really stood out to me as like far as witches that are really like I have to watch the Sperry though. I haven't seen that. So, so maybe that'll change my mind. I thought American Spiria. Horror Story Covent was did a really good job. And, I and, then, like yeah. and then that season influenced all the seasons thereafter it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean and they reappear in season ten. All the paranormal activities mm-hmm. center around witchcraft and, and witches and yep. covens. So, I mean, those movies, it, the fear comes from the demon that works for them. But overall, it is the witches behind the entire thing for that whole series. Like, you know, so he, he was right to mention that. So it's it's a lot of movies I don't think we take into account. Like, yeah, uh, Drag Me to Hell is more of a, a, a gypsy curse situation, but yep. curses and hexes, we always associate with those who use dark magic and witchcraft, you know, even though, but it's not, you know, we're just saying generalized there. And Dante brings up a good point. Like, there's also, like, different terminologies that would be used, you know, like, you know, is it a sorceress or a sorcerer? Or you know what I mean? Like the magic users have like so many different like terms that you can throw on them. So. You're a wizard Harry. You know. You're a wizard Harry. So. But speaking of like horror movie antagonists though, like witches would eventually like, you know, especially with voodoo, we would get zombies. You know, oh, though, uh, <laughs> I yep. think that's one of the big, if we're talking about horror movie antagonists, just the idea of the living dead coming yeah. back and wreaking havoc on people. I mean, that's 
been prevalent since you know beginning of horror really pretty yeah. much like you had night of the living dead that really kicked it off like yeah, that's yeah <clears throat> game video games tv series movies mm-hmm. oh yeah comic books yeah. the walking dead yeah. you mm-hmm. had uh of course just like like 28 days later 28, 28 days, days later was so fucking virus. Good. yeah those are awesome yeah that was more of like a virus kind of thing instead of the living. Yeah. It was yeah. more like it affected living people and it just turned, the, it was the rage virus. But I yeah. wish we had gotten a third film to that. I know though. Yeah. Excellent. And I thought we were going to really get that good. third film, but we never did. Oh yeah. And I felt like that was such a brilliant way of doing it, that it was just fast paced, always in your face. Yeah. And there the was fast it, zombie. Oh my and god. And it didn't have to be just a bite anymore. It was if you got blood in your mouth, if you blood, got yeah. blood in your yeah. eye, in your ear, that's all it took, and you could turn into one of them. And I thought that that was something that made it even more terrifying. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I like the fact that all the people that had the rage virus, they were all like athletes. They hired like all the extras that they had were all like athletes and like yeah. marathon runners so they would like they would be sprinting yeah, and they scary, actually were like, faster damn, yeah. Yeah. oh damn but i mean you, the zombies you're trying to pick a good one that's definitely an antagonist i mean we yeah. got the viral version we got mm-hmm. the supernatural version but zombies in general i mean you got everything from zombie land to you know world yeah. war z to you know world war z was a oh. virus too i think yeah that's yeah. why we get the but then you got like Shaun of the Dead, though. Shaun of the Dead was straight up the Living Dead come yeah. back. Shaun of the Dead is amazing, dude. I it's love amazing. that movie. A brilliant movie. I, I really enjoyed yeah. that one. But I could watch that movie every day. But what Zombie is the new one on Netflix with the uh, Batista? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, that was Snyder. That's Snyder. Movie. Yeah, so, they're in like oh. Las Vegas. Yeah. I forgot how we got those zombies though. But those zombies were like smart zombies like some of them yeah. were smart some of them not so much well, I mean, look but they were they Evil. actually like they had the bride who was pregnant and had was about to have a pregnant or, or a zombie baby zombie babies yeah so that was like a new spin on zombies you know <laughs> I, mean, I remember that in that what was it the dawn of the dead remake Dawn of the Dead oh, yeah. remake was that, was awesome. that was on point, man. Yes. That like seeing the birth of like the zombie baby was just a whole that that was a trip to see. Dawn of the Dawn, or, That was the remake we Dawn fucking Dead, deserved. Right? Yeah. And I mean the first five minutes in the theater, my heart was pumping, man, because that was the first time you saw <laughs> zombies run and just, oh, like, yeah. tear people up, you know, everywhere. It was on the bus, it was on the street, it was on the, you know, and you're like Wow, they they went all that movie doesn't get enough credit for the horror that it 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 instilled. Well, I mean, well, the the Dante brought up a good point. I mean, you know, you went from like these slow, crippled, like decaying yeah. zombies to ones that are like actually like sprinting after you, and it's to yeah. me, it's even more terrifying. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you look at you know Night of the Living Dead, and you're like in the in the near the end the the girl just takes off. She's like, we can run past them. We can get past them. And in that movie, you could. You could just run past them, push them. You know, they're not very quick. They don't respond. But the hell if you could do that in Dawn of the Dead. I mean, <laughs> those guys were chasing vehicles down. You're like, oh, crap. 
Oh man, it was a trip seeing that one. But I that I would put that up there with being some of the one of the best mm-hmm. horror like zombie horror films that came out. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. But I wish we could get some more zombie spoofs, though, kind of like the uh, the Return of the Living Dead. Oh, that, that was, was hilarious. That one I was so much fun. I, I I love that movie. I, I wish that we would get more stuff like that again. That kind of, you know, maybe not taking it as seriously. You know. Oh, and that's mm-hmm. funny. Deontay just said, "Imagine a zombie track star." So. Not far off from that, Disney did their version of the zombie, and it was the zombie f- football player. Like, it was a whole show, on, it was like zombie something. Oh, and, and then we got I Zombie. I don't know if y'all watched that TV series. I Zombie was oh, I've seen episodes pretty good. Of it. So, basically, the girl got bit by mm-hmm. a zombie. But they're intelligent zombies. It's not your traditional zombie. And what happens is she she's a med student. She ends up dropping out of med school and becomes a coroner assistant in order to get brains to survive. So but anytime she eats a brain, she gets some of their memories. Mm. And she uses that to help the police solve crimes. Oh, man, that almost sounds like Chew. Oh, man. It's not a dude. bad series. It's really enjoyable. Oh, dude. Oh, you guys. Have you guys ever seen the Oz Zombies? The, the Oz guys, Zombies. You gotta if watch you haven't Oz seen Oz Zombies, zombies <laughs> no. uh, definitely after spoof. what Tommy said, like a campy comedy. <laughs> You'd like you, it. You gotta watch it. It's all like as in, ah, zombies. Is- oh, okay. I thought you were saying Oz Zombies. I thought it was going to be like Flying Monkeys. Uh, I got you. Oh, man. No, but, uh, yeah. It's definitely pretty. It's pretty good. And I'm definitely came to visit me. <laughs> oh man, that you or your, uh, your ass on my face, dude. Thank you. But I, I like some of those spoof ones. Another one that I really enjoyed was a. It was a movie called Zombie Beavers. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that and sounds that like one of those sci-fi yeah. movies. We did it for good. our uh, horrible horror movie night, where we see who could pick the worst one, and we all get yeah. together and watch them. Oh man! It's like I love, Five. love movies like that. Yeah. Sharknado Five would be up there as being one of those movies. Like, yeah. <laughs> now I do like the movies though; they were pretty funny. I think that for what they are, it's the gift of Sharknado. Yeah. You know, horror movies, even oh, when they're we got somebody terrible, from Norway in the room. What's up, dude? That's true. But oh, yeah, no. that to me, like, I love those those cheese. Well, hello there, Toby. <laughs> my familiar come to visit but those can't be like sci-fi channel horror movies that you get those are some of the yeah. best ones man oh my god laugh the whole time like hatchet oh, hatchet oh, yeah yeah we were watching hatchet and it's like oh, oh god it's in the way some of the characters die and you're like oh god that's so terrible hey <laughs> if you want to go old school i don't know if y'all ever watched uh hostel yeah, the original Hostel. Yeah, fuck. I don't know if so that, that's into that like torture kind of yeah. that that, yeah. that that genre kind of lost me. It just it was too. It was almost very, you know. It, it felt 1970s. more shock than it did horror. It Love. felt like it was just like they were trying to just push as many limits as they could. And they the first one they didn't do it as much, but by the time it got to the second and third one, it wasn't tolerable. Like I couldn't. 
Like it was too much. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like how Saw became became very like the traps were the big thing that everybody wanted to see. And then the story was kind of just like, okay, it was there. And it it, it all, it kind of got to the ridiculous point. Like, okay, how long did this guy take to set up all these traps, build all these traps and everything? Oh, yeah, Saw. Come on, and then man. they just keep adding people to the mix. They're like, yeah. oh, this person joined him, and then this person joined them. And then now we're like, what the fuck? I mean, what, what yeah. do we where do we go forward? You know, and so they're it's coming back. Like the, the original saw is coming back. Yeah, yeah. It. And, dude, I, I, I will not be watching it. I no. can't. No. Well, I know that Chris Rock, that uh that jigsaw movie, I heard positive yeah. things about that one. That wasn't yeah, bad. It wasn't. It was pretty good. But it could be a standalone one movie and yeah. it'd be fine. Right. I don't think they need to reboot the Saw franchise because Jigsaw is not. He's dead to me. Like the dude fucking died. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't supernatural. There was nothing special about the guy. It was Macaulay Culkin fucking grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and to like, me, like the first two were phenomenal movies. But after that, man, it just yeah. It, yeah, it it became it a gore work. fest. Like like Tommy is saying, it was a shock. Like who? How can yeah. you shock them now? Like let's twist this guy's whole head in half. How about we yeah. do that? Like, it's like Hostel two and three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there. And like shock is okay with me. Like you know, because you have like Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie does a lot of shock. That's what like Devil's Rejects. Yeah. You know, in 31, things like that. That's more like that. That makes sense for the shock horror because there's still like at least a comedic element to it. That's like that keeps it from being just a serious tone through and through. Once it becomes like a serious tone, it's almost like a Serbian film or a Serbian film. The entire film is just unsettling and uncomfortable. And you're just like you kind of leave feeling kind of just queasy and it's not like you enjoyed it you know that's what like i said like i like a lot of the older 70s 80s horror films because you enjoyed it it was still like you know they had a little bit of comedy to make sure that it wasn't just all serious by the time we get to the 2000s and the 2010s that's when everybody was like okay let's try to make this as realistic as possible and then at that point it's just too much like i know deontay just said that demons are low-key the best monster and antagonist in mm -hmm. his opinion can't argue that, and they play a huge role in so many movies. I mean, we, Michael Myers was a demon. Jason eventually became a demon. So, yeah, that that's right up there. You know, another of my personal favorites is always like demon possession. Like yes. I, I love watching like the, the demon supernatural possession. type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love Exorcist. That stuff. I really enjoyed. Exorcist yeah. was like, so good, man. It, way I'll- ahead of its time. I always liked like poltergeist though, like the kind of uh, yeah. like spirits that really Dude, affected people. Like I, I really enjoyed this movie. Suit for years after that movie. Oh man! Could you? But you guys should watch the entity. The entity is really. Tricky. Yeah, I like that the one's excellent. It's based yeah. on a, a real event. Yeah. Oh yeah, and just the fact that like the woman couldn't get away from this, mm-hmm. you know, this being that was. was always, just, it was a rough movie too. Like it, it gets yeah. rough at some points. Like there's yeah. a whole. Assault and rape—it's—it's it's bad. Oh yeah, but that's it is definitely one of those horror movies that's The same. Last House on the Left was that way, and that's really why it. it so, 
a lot of stuff that happened in the last house on the left if you could ever find a no shit Wes Craven director's cut and see the NC-17 version of that movie it it makes the rated R version they put in theaters PG-13 yeah because yeah. if you read that book no it's it's a page turner and then there's like a few pages where you have to go skip that shit yeah yeah oh no step so exorcist the conjuring assiduous and paranormal activity don't all those movies go together though I don't Probably think in that paranormal that aspect, yeah. Yeah, they're, not I know, the same like, universe, but they're, yeah, yeah. they're, they're definitely the demonic. Uh, it seems somewhere I have seen like where all those were the ant. What is it, Annabelle? But yeah. the Annabelle universe is what I'm calling oh, it. Oh, Annabelle like, connects to Conjuring. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That, and then the nun. And then the nun and and it starts with the nun, even though the nun come out what 15 years later. But it, I know it starts with the nuns, the very first one. Oh, and yeah. then it goes into Annabelle, and then it gives you like the timeline of the movies to watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Conjuring verse. Thank you, Deontay, with the save. Oh yeah, I, I actually dug those movies. I, I dug the yeah, Conjuring movies, great. and I, I dug the Insidious movies. I thought the Insidious movies were actually enjoyable. Yeah, the they were enjoyable, me, but they were really fucking creepy to me. I'm not gonna lie. I don't fuck with the the Conjuring type stuff, man. That stuff to me is creepy as shit. But. The, those were two franchises that kind of stuck out because like paranormal activity the first one when it came out i thought it was good but then you get like the sequels after that and then it kind of diminishes from the first film of it being you know ghosts to now there's witches involved and now there's demons involved and it's all just kind of manifested into something that was completely different from the original like so that that to me kind of made the series fall off I think the two I enjoyed the most was definitely the first one, and then the marked ones. Marked ones was cool. I liked but, how that one, uh, yeah. how that one went, because it, 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 that's one where it encompassed more of the actual coven, the cult, mm-hmm. the whole following. It was, it was definitely. Uh, I like that. It was, it, it expanded. I just, I just like seeing the the young guys like progression, like through Into, his yeah. like possession and everything. I really like enjoyed watching that. Right. I mean, right. you know, again, it's background. It's the witches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, witches, man. I'm telling you. I know, yeah. man. Pain in the ass. <laughs> but yeah, there's, I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many times I watch Paranormal Activity and just like the end, especially when you see its footprints and like the flower and when he uh-huh. like drags Katie like down there. Oh, oh man. man. So I, Deontay has given us like the full on. They had continuity though because the demons was assigned to their family since Kate's birth. Yeah. So there we go. Deontay with the save. Yeah. So I mean you can't deny that, you know, we've seen that the, the, the top antagonists here all seem to make sense. We've gone from, you know, vampires, werewolves, zombies, uh demons, doctors. Zombies. Yeah. So <laughs> doctors. doctors. I mean, I think we all have that innate fear of the person that's supposed to be helping you and making you better that knows so much about you and don't knows so much stuff, but is actually yeah. twisting. I work with them. Was, don't be scared of them. I mean, there's a lot of iterations <laughs> that, you know, can be fearful as far as. I mean, shit, a doctor gave us the human centipede. 
Oh, gross. Granted, he was a Nazi doctor. Ew. But still. Oh, man. So. Sorry. I mean, we're talking horror here. <laughs> That's so gross. Yeah, I was so more dude, shocked it, than horror. Yeah. That's what it felt yeah, like. It's, yeah. it's one of those gore fest <laughs> disgusting movies, you know? Yeah. Like that's a straight up snuff film. I don't give a shit what anybody yeah. says. Well, the like, second one is the second one most yeah. definitely is like just. There's a third one too. There's a third one. Yeah, my daughter was like, "Did you know there was a third human centipede?" I'm like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, they yeah. they do it with like a hundred people for the third one. I have no idea. Because it's in a prison. Uh, like, I, I can't. No, the first one was bad enough. Oh, the second one's even worse. So, like, I, I've seen all three of them. The second one I still think is the worst. Like there was not like because they did it all in black and white, and there's some scenes with like sandpaper and barbed wire that you don't want to see, but mm. they make you see anyways. No, second movie is the worst. It's the worst. Um, yeah. The first movie we're, we're, we're almost out of time, but I think we've touched on some areas that you know <laughs> if there was another uh, night where we discussed horror like. You know, we, we haven't talked really about the existential horror stuff, more the HP Lovecraft stuff like yeah. uh, the Robert E. Howard. Stuff. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if you if you ever watched In the Mouth of Madness or um Event Horizon is very existential. Dude, you yeah. know what we have we have to do one day where we do like authors. Authors I know we were supposed to get to it tonight and we didn't because if you haven't read uh, Wes Craven's The Book of Blood, god damn, go pick out a copy of the Book of Blood. It is a phenomenal. You can get it as an all-in-one series, and it from start to finish, it is a phenomenal book. Okay, I'll check it out. Oh yeah, and that like you got to talk about Scott Snyder when you talk about horror. I mean, that guy has been—he gave us what was it, witches, and then yep. he's currently working on a book called Night of the Ghoul, which I think is brilliant. I think yeah. that's a really fun read. I'm, I'm waiting to see how he's going to do a ghoul. Like, what's his definition of a ghoul? Oh man, it's so trippy. Like, it, like, and you have to read the book to really like see what he's doing with it because it's a horror film inside a comic book. <laughs> what you're trying to find out about the horror film within the comic? It's all. And then we'll have to do comic books one night too, horror I mean, comic books, because that's kind of like my yeah. my bread and butter. I love script and... and like no shit. The amount of money I've spent this month on horror comic books, I should be ashamed of myself. Oh man, I'm just picking up any of the ones that look good right now. So like, I picked up that new Lovesick, uh, that Image title. Mm -hmm. I picked up the uh, Damn Them All by Boom. Yeah. Oh man, I thought that one was. So dope. if you're really into horror, Boom Studios really is where they're producing so much good fucking horror right now. I think they're doing a pretty good job. Them, For I think a Blade. You're getting a great fucking read. Oh yeah, I, think uh, I can't name, remember the name of it. But, that uh, it's it's a, a web comic that's all horror, and it's usually done just. It looks like uh, uh, monochrome or or maybe tricolored ink, and it's but it's so well done. Um, Which site is it on? Huh? Which site is it on? Is it a website? I'll find it and I'll get you. I'll, I'll send it to you guys in the messenger so you guys can uh, check it out. But it's it's actually the bunch. It's an anthology of short, you know, like just short stories that are just, I mean, so well done. Okay. But it's, it's very it's very uh very horror centric. So, but yeah, excellent excellent guys. I I enjoyed all the inputs and all the all the uh, 
information and viewpoints have been great. Oh yeah, and it was it, nice meeting you guys. Yeah, same. Yeah, good, good meeting people and putting faces to names who I, I yeah. talk to almost on a daily basis. Yeah, it's good I'm to like, see everybody. You know, oh, yeah. and I think Not, Eric, I think we've met in the past, and I just can't put our put it the two and two together. So I'm sure. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a retired one Charlie five, so I mean, yeah, we all we run deep. Yeah, Jen's like, oh, really? Plenty of time. I'm not. Oh, now yeah. I'm looking at your face. I'm no, like, wait dude, a minute, I gotta, do I know you? I rock that big beard now. Got that retiree beard <laughs> yeah, going. I know it's hard to imagine us all clean cut and 15, 20 years younger. <laughs> right. you know? Oh, I know. So, but uh, yeah, great night, guys. Uh, yeah, man, I, I joined the military with a red beard and. Came out of the military with a gray beard. If that tells you any damn thing, they took your color, Jeff. They took your color. They did. They stole oh. my fucking will to live. <laughs> took retirement to get it back. Oh. But hey, let's wrap it up, guys. This this was a good show. I I really enjoyed my first time being on here, and Excellent. I couldn't ask for better co-hosts tonight. Oh yeah, and I'd really like to do this again with you guys, especially talking about Same. horror. Yeah, fucking roll Dante's so ass in here next time and will. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, if they sure. call on us again and maybe we get a chance to catch up on some of these movies, we'll have uh, the yeah. Pray for the Devil to check out, um, Smile. Um, yeah, Sad. I'm looking forward to Smile. I've Me heard too. so many damn good things about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I look forward to it, guys. It's been great. Uh, you yes. all have a good night. And, uh, Y'all too. Take care. Oh, yeah. Peace out, guys. Enjoy. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Peace out, y'all.